Hey now, it's Mike Gilbert, host of the Mike and JD Show, right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Join JD by God Oliva and myself every Thursday night live on the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we stay up all night discussing all the hottest stories in professional wrestling. You can also check us out right here on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting feed or you can subscribe to the Mike and JD Show feed. Now, enjoy the show. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. TNA is the best wrestling in the whole world. Oh, it's semantics. It's not a guitar. It's a cello. It's a cello. Hook them up like dogs. If you're through with your incoherent gibberish. Triton, have you conquered the great alpha male yet? TNA is my world. Welcome to Planet Jarrett. This is BS. This sucks. I've lost my objectivity and I don't give a damn. Welcome everybody to episode number 39 of You've Got to Be Kidding Me. We are a TNA history podcast where we cover TNA one month at a time. This month we are talking about Sacrifice 2005 from the month of August 2005. I'm Gary Kidney. I am joined by Liam Jones. Good morning, Vietnam! Yeah, there you go. What a wonderful joke you've said. Pretend you never heard that in your life and that's some just great wordplay. Everyone, let's take a quick two second break to just applaud that there we go i've never even seen good morning vietnam mm-hmm. is that actually called good morning vietnam that is the name of the movie isn't it i can't say for certain as a person who hasn't seen it but i'm pretty sure that's the name of the movie oh it is i've seen most of the robin williams sad boy movies i do quite like most of them but it is a it is a tremendous genre of film mm. The man has the world's most pathos. It is his greatest skill. Also being funny. He was also very funny. <laughs> that helps too. Yeah. Impeccable charm helps. Uh, how are you doing? Okay. How's your mouth going? It's sore. Uh, we never actually, we probably should have like tweeted an update at some stage. Nah, fuck him. <laughs> but Liam, Liam had a throat infection and then followed by his gums attacking his mouth. Mm. There was some ear infection in there at a certain time too. Mm, so this is cloud because you're like depths of winter over there now. Yeah, like winter. I was actually just saying before today feels like the first day that it actually feels like obnoxiously cold, which is fun because we're entering into the Irish summer, which is like a week of it being twenty degrees and then it stops. <laughs> That's crazy, and we do not deal well with it. Twenties are the perfect weather. Early twenties with like a nice cool wind. Is the ideal weather. You see, we're a 12 to 15 country, and anything above is like, well, hey, shorts, no clothes on. I would really like to throw you into a, like, when it's hot for everyone, like, road melting, like, 50 degree Australian weather one day. Just just to see you, <laughs> how you handle that. I'll come on down in December and <laughs> melt into the floor. Yeah. Like, I've, I've been to Egypt, so I've been to, like, very hot places. You, you, know, you know heat. I think it was, like, 40 plus while I was in Egypt, and I was like, good lord, it's very warm. You know heat. Michael Mann. Uh, I was going to go for the WWF show, but Michael Mann is probably a better one. And also, relevant <laughs> in... That post is so good in how obnoxious it is. 
oh, the a certain somebody <laughs> broke the writer's strike and I'm now going to insert as many Michael Mann movies into this tweet so I can tell you exactly who without using his name. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Should really pay those writers. Uh, yeah, they should. If there's one group of people I would not be on like the wrong side of, it's a bunch of people who build narratives for a living. <laughs> They they can just say anything and we'll believe them because they have. Yeah, it's like that is the group of people is like no, let's, let's just give them money. It's fine. <laughs> I don't want them on our bad side. <laughs> we are pro writing union. I I'm pro mall union. <laughs> pay people. Mall, pay them all. Give people money. Give us money. TNHat.com. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll go on strike. <laughs> then what will you do? We're gonna start the podcast union. Oh. The podcasting union. <laughs> Pag. <laughs> We're going to negotiate better rates from HelloFresh. <laughs> and Manscaped. Lord knows if you saw some of the podcast payouts we got for HelloFresh, you know it's actually justified. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Rich, if you ever get HelloFresh back on as a sponsor. <laughs> this is why I, I forever supported us getting the shady, like, dick pill ads or gambling or something they paid better mm. what else we got we got zip recruiter <laughs> yes shout out zip recruiter <laughs> sometimes i'm like people sell their souls for the smallest amount and then i think about the amount of money i got for doing hello fresh ad reads and i'm like well i can't fucking say a word can i <laughs> it's like eight bucks <laughs> It's like, I promoted HelloFresh for a, a fraction of cents on the word. <laughs> Never mind anything else. <laughs> Which is the reason we do greatly appreciate the support of you wonderful patrons at tnhad.com. And we do also greatly support our friends at HelloFresh. HelloFresh, <laughs> the number one food package. <laughs> They did give out about our ad reads once and they said they weren't personalized enough. It's like, fucking, this is more personalized. This is not HelloFresh. <laughs> Imagine if this was a HelloFresh week. <laughs> and you can get fresh farm ingredients to your door. <laughs> oh, this is, this is a great start. It's good. This is, what you see, we didn't, when we don't podcast for like a month, this is what happens. We just start burying the sponsors. <laughs> it just gets unhinged. I'm also still recovering because last night I saw Bo is Afraid. Oh, isn't that like seven hours long and just stupid? It's so long and so stupid. <laughs> so does it at any stage veer out of self-indulgent into interesting? I think most of it's interesting, mm. but all of it's self-indulgent. <laughs> well, that's a decent balance at least. Like, because you're watching it and the only thing like, as I watch it, I'm going... I, w- I need to read the screenplay mm-hmm. because this all has the energy of we'll shoot it on the day. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so it's like, like I mean, there's there's parts of it that are like structurally sound, but most there's no like through line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no like I walked out of that and I um, after like five minutes of not speaking because <laughs> I didn't know what to say. You just actually sat outside the cinema and clutched your knees and just kind of rocked for a few minutes. I basically did that during the movie. <laughs> I, w- I had my head in my hands for, like, a solid 20% of the movie. <laughs> and I was like, I-, I actually kind of applaud the effort of, like, a major motion picture to be like, let's just not have a through line <laughs> during the whole thing. Well, that is the value of producing lots of art in that some of it tests the boundaries of, of uh, like, like, culture and uh, of societal That's norms. what I appreciate about it, is that it's just, like, this It's weird, chaotic, artistic energy. 
even if it doesn't actually make for like a, a great story that is easy to understand. And the other thing is too, I don't really get like what it's trying to say uh, either. Mm. Like you come, come, you come out of it, and you're like, I mean, maybe there was a, a, a meaning behind all this, but I don't know it. <laughs> maybe the lack of knowing it is the meaning. Wow, that it's actually a movie about search for meaning, but in truth, in search for meaning, we only find chaos. Wow. Did I just say something more profound than the entire movie? <laughs> and a bunch of dicks as well. <laughs> Listen, that's also what you get in the world. You can't deny it. Yeah, it's a. I know it's interesting. The the people next to me, which was very funny at the theater, they it was like an older woman and like a younger woman, and afterwards I found out that it was like a a person who had brought their mother <laughs> to the movie. Classic family movie. And the mother was like, "That was very weird, wasn't it?" <laughs> and then the the, the 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 young the younger daughter was like, "Yeah, I was really surprised when you said you wanted to see this. <laughs> it was very funny." Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. It's good in a certain sense. It's mostly just weird, and that's, I enjoy weird art, so I gave it a chance. Before we get into the show itself, let us talk about everyone's favorite website, patreon.com slash com. I thought you were going to say Twitter. No one likes Twitter. Actually, no. You know what I don't like? I've actually come around on the side of Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a statement you want to have? forever etched in audio not particularly but there's probably worse ones out there i (laughs) the only thing that annoys me more than annoying people on twitter are people who are holier than thou about annoying people on twitter Mm -hmm. like the only thing that annoys me more than someone being annoying is like actually twitter's a hellscape and i don't use it it's like shut the fuck up and go not use it alone silently away from me Damn. Stop trying to be smug and better than people because you don't use Twitter. Also, listen, I work in social media professionally. It's my job. The other ones are fucking way worse than Twitter. Mm. Rank them from worst to best. Twitter's the best of them. Yeah. It probably goes Twitter. Oddly enough, probably YouTube. I was going to say Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok. Yeah, and Instagram's in there somewhere. Like, I, I, I think Instagram, TikTok, and and Facebook are all just together next to each other as bottom of the barrel, god awful nonsense that no one should ever look at. Mm. <laughs> like tic- like like Instagram, at least decent content in terms of the thing you're actually looking at, and then you look at the comments and you're like, oh no, stop it, kill society. <laughs> yeah, so like that that was that was clearly the top three. It was going to be in that order. Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Mm. And then it's like, what kind of, like, do you think, what what do you hate more? Like, the dumbest people of all time, or, like, a completely unfathomable, fathomable, as I say, dumbest people of all time, I'm one of them. Or, like, a completely unhinged user base and broken, broken website <laughs> full of bots and stuff, and you don't know which one I'm talking about. <laughs> It could be any of them. Uh, like, TikTok is the stupidest. Actually, no, yeah. Facebook might be the Facebook stupidest. Facebook may be the worst, though. <laughs> it's really hard to decide. But, like, Twitter is not the worst of them. If you think Twitter is the worst social media website, you have not spent enough time on the other ones. They're the worst. Like, they're just the dumbest, horrible place. That being said, all of them suck. Social media is bad. Yeah, evil. Shut them all down. Go back to small, uh, independent community. Always much better. Sadly, I don't think nice. we can ever put that toothpaste back in the tube. Yeah, no, this is society now. <laughs> and there's no point trying to f- change it. 
Yeah, this started as a Patreon plug. Patreon.com slash KiddingBeTNHR.com is where you can go to support the show, where you can get our show notes, which is like a full, this month, 12 pages worth of notes about August 2005 in TNA. You can get the ad-free episodes. So if you ever hear the ads, and like, I wouldn't like to hear ads. A whole dollar a month is all you need to get rid of those ads. You can listen on Patreon instead. You can also get our exclusive series, of which there are many now, on uh, Patreon. There is Rain Takers, which is our ongoing New Japan review show. There is... Uh, Gorilla Radio, which is our current ongoing PWG 2012 review show. There is also the full complete series for Wrestling Society X, Global Force Wrestling, the 2010 Monday Night Wars, and Rinkat King. Maybe another one. I always forget one when I run them down. We've done so many shows. Mm, I'm trying to... But what you're saying, Garrett, is that there is an unfathomable <laughs> amount of content. You see, you turned you being unable to say a word into a bit, and therefore it is comedy gold and worthwhile. Yep. That's the Twitter mentality. <laughs> you can go to uh, patreon.com slash getting me, tnhad.com to get I'm all of that, as well as drafts, as well as watch-alongs, as well as a review of uh, Macho Man Randy Savage's <laughs> album, as well as... Yeah, there you go, that was there. A review of a Chris Rock movie. All of that sitting there, tnhad.com, patreon.com slash getting me, three tiers. Uh, support the show. We would appreciate it. That brings us to the news, starting with, after months of rumors and unconfirmed indications that TNA would be airing on Spike TV this fall as soon as WWE moves programming to US USA, it became official. Beginning in October, a one-hour TNA program will be launched as part of Slammin' Saturday Nights, their <laughs> weekly block of programming that will include UFC and was touted to include Howard Stern, but did not end up including Stern, and in the end, he ended up going elsewhere. Damn. TNA's going to spike. I know it's a big surprise. It wasn't oh, at all. Sorry, I thought you were really. I thought you were wanting my opinions on the Howard Stern program not coming with it. Uh, sure. How would you have felt? Uh, again, this is the weird. I think it's like the fourth different time Howard Stern has like crossed over with TNA in some regard so far. Yeah. Um, was Howard Stern still like giant in 2005? Pretty much. I think he was maybe yeah. like he's approaching peak of his powers at this stage. I would have said. Interesting. I was never a Stern guy. I was never a Stern listener. I know JB is like the big Stern guy in TNA. And that's how I remember when they wanted to book Beetlejuice versus, is his name Beetlejuice? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Against uh, Puppet. They wanted to do that match, but that never came through. And they potentially would have been in the same block of programming here, except that didn't come through either. He's launching his own VOD service, I think, in the end. <laughs> God, ahead of the curb. Yeah, in 2005, launching his own Howard Stern VODs. The Howard Stern Network. So instead, it's just, a block of UFC and TNA, including Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, that'll that'll be that'll work out for them. So sure. I know, like, it's not something we'll get super into, but I know it was like a thing happening in the background, in that there was like a basic war going on between Spike and WWE in the last months. <laughs> As, like, WWE announced they're going back to USA, and then for, like, the last, like, two or three months, and particularly the last few weeks, like, there was a bunch of passive-aggressive bullshit between Spike and WWE, or, like, that relationship did not end on good terms. No. Historically, that's one of... Like, that's, like, really the only time that's happened to them, too. Yeah. Normally, they're pretty, like... They've stuck to USA for most of Raw, so they haven't had to worry about that. And the SmackDown jumps have been, like, from, you know, one network to Fox or something. So, again, they've done it in, like, a way that was applicable to everyone's circumstances. 
Yeah, and usually, like, you know, networks are, are very conservative, risk-averse things. They're, they don't want to push the boat out. They don't want to declare war on one of their properties. But I was listening to Deadlock, who were covering the, the, the TNA Spike uh, first episode. Not that any other uh, podcast should be allowed to cover TNA. That's ours. Um, it's fucked up. Brian Alvarez. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Brian. Thinking you yeah, can fuck jump... you guys. <laughs> we are the first people to have a beef with Brian Alvarez on the internet yep. this month. <laughs> yeah. You know what? CM Punk was right. <laughs> I'll say it. But they were talking about how, like, how Spike would run commercials during Raw for the UFC being like, <laughs> enough of that fake bullshit. You can watch the real stuff in the UFC. <laughs> that rules. <laughs> And like the last Raw, there was the whole thing where Vince was trying to get in plugs for USA and they'd put up like bars and tone and cut off any mention of USA. Spike would be editing him and censoring him in the middle of the broadcast on a live <laughs> show. All of that bullshit between Spike and WWE. I bring it up because I do wonder if part of that is what pushed Spike toward TNA. I'm sure that's a, like, a, a, maybe not the whole thing, but it's probably a bit of it that like, we also have a wrestling show as well. Fuck you. Yeah, there's a little bit of spite, a little bit of pettiness. It's like, fine, we'll take on and we'll put them in the fucking velocity time slot. Right there, the week after you're gone, TNA will be there. Fuck you. We're helping your competition. <laughs> uh, I, wrestling is an industry that runs on pettiness. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that it's now back at the forefront. Yeah, we are fueled by pettiness in wrestling right now. It is it is the driving force of everything. It's perfect. It's how it's meant to be. Mm, we have a Dixie Carter quote, Liam. <clears throat> It's very short. Don't know why. <clears throat> we are thrilled <laughs> to be coming to SPAC TV, said TNA President Dixie Carter. This is a real test of your voice after your... your um, yeah, I know. Infection. That's why I was like, this didn't come out the way I expected it to. We look forward to bringing our exciting style of total nonstop action and entertainment to male viewers. Not the women, by the way. He's, she doesn't give women. a fuck about bringing it to the female viewers. <laughs> TNA is for the boys, it's for the fellas. (laughs) Once TNA's agreement with Spike TV Dare Impact beginning in in October was finalized, Dixie Carter announced the television deal to TNA employees during a conference call. On the morning of July 21st, the announcement came two days after the Impact taping in Orlando, where no announcement was made to staff and wrestlers at Sunday's pay-per-view, which would have been the the last show, whatever hell one that was. No surrender. (laughs) Dixie Carter attended, but she was unable to give any announcement because the deal was not done. So she had to do that weird thing. It's like, listen, it's coming soon, guys. That's not done, so I can't say anything. And then two days later, it's like, no, no, it's done. We can say it now. The first edition of TNA Impact on Spike TV will air on Saturday, October 1st. TNA will tape matches and promos for October 1st and October 8th on Tuesday, September 27th, setting that taping cadence going forward of taping two impacts at a time. As was the case when TNA aired programming on Fox Sportsnet from June to June in the last year, TNA will tape television every other Tuesday, although still under consideration and not definite. TNA will be exploring the possibility of going live on Saturday nights, depending on how well TNA does on Spike TV during the initial debut and whether TNA can secure talent that normally take indie dates on Saturday nights. TNA President Dixie Carter, Jeff Jarrett, and graphics producer David Zahadi met with Spike TV officials. The discussion at Spike headquarters in New York centered around production, marketing, and the overall feel of the TNA product when it debuts on Spike in October. Kevin Sullivan, not that Kevin Sullivan, who worked with David Zahadi in WWE was hired by TNA to assist Zahadi in the graphics department. That, Ke- that Kevin Sullivan is actually still, uh, he's head of post-production for AEW now as well. The latest indications regarding the TNA's 
Spike deal is that Spike is going to be in charge of selling the ad time in the show. That makes more sense than TNA having to sell that ad time since TNA staff doesn't have those kind of advertising connections, the same ones that Spike would have. And also Spike will be selling TNA as part of a block, the Slam and Saturday Night block, uh, along with UFC, which means they aren't buying into wrestling per se, but a block of like edgy male orientated programming. Damn, Spike might be good at this stuff. <laughs> yeah, and it's one of those things that's like, it mitigates the risk of bringing TNA into the fold, that you are selling it as part of a package with UFC, therefore, like, you are taking the risk off that, you know, even if TNA flops, people will still buy those hours for UFC. Like, there's a level of knowing what they're doing here mm. with with Spike that we just haven't seen in all of TNA's history up until this point. Like, this is a company that actually knows how to run what it does. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, this This is a male-orientated channel. We are going to put the wrestling audience after, after the UFC audience because there's undeniably crossover and we think TNA can be a lead. And even, like, again, putting it right in the Velocity slot. Like, literally the week after Velocity goes off the air, Impact's there instead. So anybody with the muscle memory of watching Velocity will tune in and they'll see Impact. So you'll get some of those WB viewers who, like, you know, the kind of people who aren't reading the news and don't see that, oh, Velocity's moving somewhere else and they might not see it because Spike <laughs> tried not to let them say it on their television show mm. um, so they, they might tune in on that October 1st show to see Velocity and say hey hey, wait, this is a new wrestling show I've never seen before look at that like, excited ring whoa I want to see my Shane Helms versus local enhancement guy match what the fuck who's this oh I remember AJ Styles once wrestled Shane Helms on one of these shows <laughs> therefore I'm going to watch this I'm TNA. a giant Velocity head so I I'm a guy who's only seen Velocity this TNA Impact show reminds Reminds me a lot of Velocity. Yeah, only those AJs, the dude. I think that match was on Velocity too, wasn't it? Maybe it was Metal. I think AJ's WWE stuff was Velocity. Because he did wrestle Helms on one of them. He wrestled him on Metal and Jacked. Oh, both of them. Whoa. But not Velocity. Wait. Okay, these are both credited as being January 26, 2002. So is it Metal or Jacked? It's a very important question. All right. Well, Monsoon Classic has it listed as Metal. Mm -hmm. But WWE has it listed as jacked i trust monsoon classic with this more than i trust wwe i honestly 100 percent do <laughs> well, I'm, well okay monsoon classic has the entrance which will have the lower third well listen this is certainly metal mm. this is wwf metal so learn your own product wwe so i don't know what to tell you WWE is dumb and wrong as usual. <laughs> Seeing like AJ wrestle this version of Hurricane is so weird. It's a good match. Hurricane gives him more than he ever deserves. But like Hurricane is like full like Attitude Era look Hurricane still. Mm. So weird. Anyway, Spike TV. With TNA programming moving to Spike TV, management is telling wrestlers that they will be able to make it the range of 25000 to 50000 per year. There are exceptions where some top names will make more. TNA's base salary would represent one half to one third of the potential money a wrestler could earn during any given year. TNA management has told wrestlers that they will be able to command higher booking fees from independent promoters because of the national television <laughs> exposure. So don't expect huge pay rises or salaries. <laughs> <coughs> What a load of fucking bullshit. <laughs> you, know, you know what I appreciate? Mm -hmm. 2005 was still an era where they would lie about it. <laughs> to try and make you feel better. Yeah. 2023, they're just like, fuck you. What are you going to do about it? Go somewhere else? They're like, listen, guys, you can charge your more for your indie dates because you're national TV stars now. And, oh, you're national TV stars and we should pay you? No, come on. Don't be crazy. <laughs> No, that's insane. You're being insane. We're just gaslighting the wrestlers. 
I like listen, they do end up making because the spike goes well, so they end up making money. But here yeah. they're like, oh, what if it doesn't? So we're not going to give you money for a while. Uh, apparently, like Spike taking over selling of the ad time must have been a fairly late development, according to Dave, because TNA were talking with Howard Brody, former NWA president and co-author of Dusty Rhodes' autobiography, which was promoted on this show. Not our show, TNA. But also, I guess we technically promoted it on our show because we mentioned it was promoted on TNA. I'm doing it right now. Apparently, they were talking to him about bringing him on board to sell the ads, but then Spike took over that. <laughs> TNA gets two minutes of ad time to promote his pay-per-views and other merchandise. Uh, TNA pays all the production costs, which I do think actually changes by the time they get to the actual tv show and then spike gets all the ad revenue but i do i do think that changes i think spike starts coming production spike, we're like holy shit people bought the block <laughs> yeah it's like this thing makes money it is like we'll get to it in october it is uh, like insane how quickly tna is a success on spike like it hit the ground running it does really well and grows and grows and grows until it doesn't anymore but until then until they do something <laughs> It was one of those things where it was like a, a real home run win, like right out of the gate. It's like, oh, this is working good. The Spike TV run is like the best thing that ever happened to this company. Well, yes. <laughs> like significantly. Like, yeah. like we're entering, like this is the best thing that they ever managed to do. If you were to say like, what is the single thing that was most important to the success of TNA for all of its potential not successes, but like the single most important thing was getting on Spike TV. It's the single most important thing to ever happen to the company. And staying there for it, like, a significant portion of time. Yeah. Probably still would be there if someone didn't fucking Russo it up. <laughs> there were Spike representatives at the pay-per-view, which is one of the reasons it was announced so strongly. This is at Sacrifice, by the way, because they announced it on the pre-show. That's the first time they mentioned it on air. They, I think they did put out the press release before that, but the first time they mentioned it on air, Mike Tanay in the ring with Larry Z being like, we're coming to Spike TV! There was a dude in the crowd with like a Spike TV shirt. So. Yeah, they all knew. And also it played backwards on No Surrender. But uh, they, apparently the officials there loved the show and started asking if they could get rematches on TV. <laughs> okay. They want their Jerry Lynn Sean Wallet match on TV. Yeah, they're like, that road, can we run it back, please? Hey guys, we really loved Abyss and Lance Hoyt. Could you just run that back? I think they do run back Abyss and Lance Hoyt. So maybe that was the match. Yeah! <laughs> Shout outs to the Spike execs. They know what's up. Samoa Joe received rave reviews from colleagues and members of management after from his pay-per-view <laughs> match against Chris Saban. He lived up to his reputation and showed a lot of people what the hype about him was all about. Uh, yep. <laughs> so they finally get it. I'm glad that like it took that for them to get it. But yeah, it's Samoa Joe, he's the greatest. That match rules. That Chris Saban match fucking owns. Yeah, Chris Saban rules. Samoa Joe rules. Samoa Joe's the best wrestler in the world at this stage. Yeah. I wonder what the Spike TV execs thought of Samoa Joe. I don't know, because they would have seen him wrestling AJ Styles. So I think they probably <laughs> would have had a pretty good impression of him coming out of Sacrifice. If I'm Spike TV, I'm like, this is a marketable guy. I, it will be a talking point when we get to it. Joe's not prominently featured in like the first month. I will murder someone. <laughs> in TNA's efforts to beef up mainstream visibility prior to debuting on Spike TV this fall, TNA's negotiating a DVD deal with Walmart. The deal would lead to DVDs of recent pay-per-views being mm-hmm. sold in many of the major retail outlets chain of stores. Bill Banks of TNAWrestling.com says TNA will distribute combination packs of recent pay-per-views, including Victory Road, Turning Point, Lockdown, to place several hours of pay-per-views into one low price offering currently WWE has penetrated the dvd wrestling market at walmart the most exclusive club for distributing products to a wide consumer base and tna's efforts to achieve the same mainstream deal will allow the company to establish its product and compete head-to-head with WWE for purchases so getting shelf space on wall in walmart's a pretty big deal i don't think kids these days right mm-hmm. 
They don't know how, like, important the DVD market was. Yeah, or even just that idea of shelf space. Just the idea of, yeah. like, you walk into Walmart and you look at the shelves and that's where, like, somebody can just discover TNA because, like, there's a wrestling... That's how I did it! <laughs> yeah, there's just the wrestling section and you see the WWE DVDs and you're like, wait a minute, what's this? Other wrestling? I walked into my local game store, I looked up at the hentai section, and in mm. the hentai section was TNA! <laughs> <laughs> Which is 100% true. It is very risque. It was in the rated R DVT section in the corner of the store. There was TNA. Which means every time I wanted to go look at the wrestling DVDs, I had to go into the hentai section of the store. Yeah, dude is like, that guy keeps walking over to the hentai section. It's really weird. He's a creep. (laughs) And then I'm pulling down Jeff Jarrett, King of the Mountain, (laughs) two-disc set. And he's like, oh my god, even worse. (laughs) He just swings a guitar at your head. Just pick up Bible Black. What are you doing? Because of the legal threats from WWE, TNA had to do new voiceovers for its DVD releases that will be going into Walmart for all matches involving the former Michael Shane and Outlaw. Joutlaw. They should have went with Joutlaw instead of Kip James. So all the DVD releases will have the names Matt Bentley and Kip James. They should have just done best WWE jumps. (laughs) Just to get at them. Yeah. It's just D-Lo and it's Raven. And it's Rhino. We just had Rhino. And the Jout Law. And the Jout Law. So if you ever listen to one of the, watch the, one of those old TNA DVDs, I guess, you will see they actually redubbed the commentary for the entire match. They didn't uh, just redo the names. They recalled the matches. That's interesting. Which makes it feel a lot less organic. No. Yeah. That's like when you go back and I, I imagine they did the thing where like they stick to the kayfabe of it being like from that show specifically. Yeah. Which is like one of the most annoying things in the world is when commentators can't settle on which side they want to be if they're like doing it with like they're doing it his like for historical context or if they're calling it as if they were there in the building. Mm. Cuz so you go back and you listen to some of like the New Japan World stuff from like the 90s and like they like half and half call it with both and you're like it's so like aggravating. Pick a lane. Exactly. Honestly, I would prefer, like, if the bit was like, here we are, it's Kevin Kelly, Chris Charlton, in the 1996 G1 Finals. We're gonna call this like it's live. Yeah, exactly. And just like, and like, oh, he's coming over near us. <laughs> that would, that would, I, I could approve that. That rules. Mm. Conan is supportive of the new TNA booking committee that replaced Dusty Rhodes because the group is more in tune <laughs> with today's wrestling environment. Well, thank God, Conan's in support. I love, I just love this shit where it's like Conan just talking about how booking is going. We'll, some, we'll have some more Conan business about how he may not be entirely happy with some other parts of the booking committee. But great. Conan said during an interview with the Monday Mayhem show that the current booking committee is more focused on developing angles and storylines that serve the fans and aren't made to amuse themselves, as was the case with Dusty Rhodes, Dutch Mantel, and Jeff Jarrett. I like that kind of. Is just confident enough to be like, yeah, fuck Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'll get some more of that in a moment. <laughs> yeah! On the storyline involving three live crew, BG James and Kip James, Conan said it was one of the better angles going on in TNA right now. <laughs> Even though it's been going on a bit too long, he expects that once TNA gets back on TV, there will be a real payoff. On the recently released WWE wrestlers, Conan said he is willing to welcome anybody who can contribute positively to the promotion. So why Kip James is there, who knows? <laughs> why BG James is there? 
Who knows? He didn't say that. I'm editorializing. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're going to make that clear for everyone. What would be, be very funny is like, I, I really don't know why we signed The guy that I'm in a feud with. <laughs> yeah. Monty Brown has not signed a long-term deal with TNA. He's using wrestling agent Barry Bloom to represent him in negotiations. Boom. Bloom, who currently represents... Boom. <laughs> all about the boom. It's all about the bloom. <laughs> uh, bloom, who currently represents Mick Foley and Kevin Nash and in the past has represented Bill Goldberg Sean Waltman, Steve Austin, China, Chris Jericho, and Triple H, among others in WWE negotiations, is working closely with TNA to put together a fair deal for Brown. TNA wants to keep Brown in the company as one of the centerpieces of the promotion, but if Brown does not receive a fair contract offer, he will most likely seek employment from WWE. Friends of Brown, though, mm. say he would prefer to remain with TNA for the long haul. And because Bloom has worked with Jericho, there is some suspicion that Jericho may end up working with TNA because this is where Jericho was gone for a while. So I'm learning about Barry Bloom. He's basically like the wrestling super agent. He's been managing wrestlers for a very, very long time. And I imagine most wrestling companies hate his guts. Well, they not hate his guts, but it's like fucking Barry Bloom again. <laughs> I found like a very weird website, which I shouldn't be on. I don't have any <laughs> security. <laughs> Barry Bloom is hacking your computer. Ah, oh, no, Barry Bloom's running into the mainframe. <laughs> no, he's actually going to get you some very good gigs. Oh, well, that worked out well. You really negotiated you a better deal for you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I don't know if I can get a better deal. But yeah, Monty is, if you were like wondering, like they should have put the belt on him in January. But if you're wondering why his booking is a little like, he's not doing much right now. That's because he may have one foot out the door. Doesn't in the end, but he might. <laughs> he's going to leave at any moment. <laughs> He could. The day before returning to WWE TV on Monday, July 11th, Matt Hardy gave TNA President Dixie Carter a courtesy call to let her know he had signed with WWE and would not be working for TNA. Thanks, Matthew. He had been in serious talks with TNA, and according to all sources close to Matt Hardy, he strongly considered going to TNA. All of this is bullshit. They were working shit. But a TNA source said the final offer was close to about two and a half grand a match. Uh, the worst part of this is that they were going to do AMW versus the Hardys on, like, a pay-per-view. Yeah, which would have been awesome. Which even, like, for Matt and Jeff and 05, well, Jeff, Matt's still great in 05, but even the current state of Jeff, that's it's still fucking AMW versus the Hardys. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly right. You would have got to have, and like, that's just a cool historical note to have too. Yeah, you just get that match. Mm. Jeff on Between the Ropes Radio criticized the way Matt handled his business, saying he strung TNA along for months when he believed Matt always deep down knew he was going back and did a great disservice to TNA by indicating that he was coming, never signing, and not letting them know he wasn't coming until the last minute. <laughs> well, to be fair, mm -hmm. right, uh, if anyone knows about indicating he was going to come and then never coming and <laughs> then not letting them know he wasn't coming until the last minute, it is Jeff Hardy. <laughs> he is an expert in the matter. <laughs> he's only done it like five times in his year in the company so far he's only been in the company a fucking year good god <laughs> it feels like we were talking about jeff for much longer than a year yeah uh it's fun he's criticizing his brother though i mean yeah that's always fun it's very clear like the tna wanted him to do the hardy's amw program but they they just knew over time it's like he seems to not be committing to anything and then he went back and it's like ah that all makes sense rude uh, it does pay to be rude, though, apparently, because he got a better deal from WWE. And it worked out well for him. Well, he was employed for a while, so... <laughs> he got to have a good little run where he lost 
That cage match with Edge on Raw is great. Yeah. He I'm, jumps on his, like, butt. I'm sure that hurt like hell, but... <laughs> the company has signed a TV deal for India on ESPN Star, which debuted on August 2nd. Sanjay Dutt will be going to India in September with at least one other TNA wrestler for a promotional campaign, uh, which they do air clips of. We'll see some of that on Impact. Dave is like, they should air clips of that. Well, they do, Dave. All right? Calm down. <laughs> yeah, Dave. All right. You should have known that that thing that hadn't happened yet was going to happen. Yeah. It's funny that maybe it was this, like, Observer article. It's like, we, we should actually air clips of that. That's a good idea, Dave. <laughs> A newspaper story listed Triton as going with Dot, but Triton, Triton? Triton is no longer with the company. When listing stars, among the names listed were Kevin Nash and DDP. Nash does come back, DDP never does. I thought that meant, like, those are the two guys considered to go to India with Sanjay. <laughs> and I was like, man, boys trip with Sanjay and K-Nash to India, let's go. That would be a, a fun... That's where actually Paparazzi Productions started. Yes, that's where he built up the interest. Morphoplex, which uses Larry Zabisco as Pitchman, and which also is a sponsor of the Wrestling Observer <laughs> Live radio show, is expected to become a major sponsor of the show on Spike TV, including the brand name on the ring mat. AJ Styles is either strongly under consideration or it has already been agreed to that he will be the Pitchman on a future TV commercial for the supplement brand. Why? Because he's like... He has... Dave goes into it. He explains why. And that's styles is jacked but has like the realistically attainable physique kind of jacked what <laughs> yeah okay so is the guy they're looking for listen if aj's physique during this year is realistically attainable i think i can i can get it myself i think it's pretty easy <laughs> when i use my morphoplex mm, that's insane <laughs> he's like the most jacked like pick like i don't know like shelly or <laughs> someone you know mm-hmm. But you want to trick people into thinking they can be AJ Styles. Ah, uh, true. You can't trick people into thinking they're going to be Monty Brown. You're going to be like, fuck it, that's never happening. Or is it- AJ's still pretty big. I think you could trick people into thinking they could look like AJ. Interesting. I think a lot more people have higher uh, <laughs> expectations for themselves than I do, I guess. Yeah, maybe Sanjay. He's like secretly jacked. But he's also gassed up. <laughs> Listen, so are most wrestlers. This is 2005. But like, he's also, he's like super gassed up. <laughs> While Scott Demore and Mike Tanay in particular on the booking team are getting high marks from a lot of veterans who normally haven't been impressed by the booking in the company, they are unhappy with this being the company's strongest point ever and best chance of making it with the old school wrestling games still being played. So they're like, verge of being great, uh, but Jeff Jarrett's still fucking around. <laughs> Jeffrey. In particular, there was major heat with Jeff Jarrett and Waltman, Conan, and Ron Killings that Frank Dickerson <laughs> had to smooth over. Basically, there is the booking committee of Demore, Tanay, Bill Banks, JB, and Dutch Mantel, which, like, Borash and Dutch being the Jarrett guys, and the rest trying to book a good wrestling program. <laughs> but the, uh, above them is the executive committee, which is Dickerson, Carter, and Jarrett. <laughs> you already laughed at Dickerson. You can't laugh at it twice. <laughs> It's just such a funny word. <laughs> so yeah, that, that, that's the executive committee that has veto power over the booking committee if they don't like what they're doing. Conan, not happy. So there's a long-term idea that they were going to break up the Tree Live crew and put Conan with Apollo and Shocker as a Latin trio. <laughs> <coughs> the famous Latin American exchange of Conan, Apollo, and Shocker. <laughs> Just imagining, like, the LAX presentation with that trio. 51-58, nothing to mess with, Liam. 
Oh, great. You will see some iterations of LAX. They don't come out of the gate with Homicide and Hernandez. No one remembers the other iterations, but... All right. So the problem being that if they split Conan off with his potential Latin American exchange, uh, killings would have absolutely nothing to do and fade into oblivion. Conan did ask for a, a certain Homicide to be brought in for the group. I like Homicide. That's my opinion. Conan argued that it served no purpose to break him and Killings up right after the angle where BG James would have broken off to go with Kip unless they had a good idea for Killings. They ended up in a hotel room arguing with Jared over it and Jared apparently called Killings some unpleasant names. Mm. According to this Wrestling mm-hmm. Observer report. It almost got ugly. Jared, when uh, Killings asked what the plans were for him, gave the answer. There's only 45 minutes on a TV show every week and you can't feature everyone, which is the answer everybody wants to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like seven of them are good. Mm. <laughs> so you should probably feature them. And Jared does take 25 minutes of it, so. But then are any of the Tree Live crew minutes ever good? I mean, no, but we're breaking them up. <laughs> <laughs> that answer made Killings mad because then he's like, what's the point of breaking me and Conan up if I'm just going to do nothing? Uh, LAX. <laughs> Killings suggested the idea of forming a team with Jeff Hardy, knowing that Hardy, no matter how many no-shows he does, is always guaranteed a strong position, but Jarrett didn't like that idea. I actually do like that team. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they work together, don't they? That's a good vibe. Yeah, it's a good vibes team. Mm. Others have apparently suggested that team too, but Jarrett doesn't like it. Apparently Conan threatened to quit if they were broken up, and then Waltman nearly walked out before the pay-per-view over his own issues, saying that he would be professional and put over Lynn clean and leave. He also complained that he and Lynn were only being given 10 minutes and they eventually got bumped up to 15. He apparently, he has some contract issues and he doesn't want to sign a contract and they want him to sign a contract. Mm. And then there's like a whole thing about how he was apparently asked to sign a contract while he was at TV and didn't have an agent to look over his contract. <laughs> he has to talk to Monty and get Barry Bloom's number again. And <laughs> so there are some issues with that as well. It's like, I feel like these are all things that Waltman would have let slide had there not been a gigantic spike deal just announced mm. they would have been like yeah whatever we can just work it and then work it out later but now he's like hmm tv perhaps actual money coming in let's yeah. get someone to look over this contract you give me your tv money i know what's happening here um waltman is a guy who knows what's on he has been this through this rodeo many times before yeah so yeah three live crew and killings are and waltman even are not happy with jared in particular <laughs> Everyone else seems pretty happy with everyone else on the booking committee. Yeah, if only they were just allowed to book their good TV show. Speaking of, that brings us to broad topics of the month. And let's start with something that basically covers off half the entire month of shows, the X Division. Yeah, because this is a big X Division month, which in turn means pretty good month. Yeah, so if you remember, Sanjay Duck qualified for the Super X Cup and they announced the Super X Cup tournament, which covered all of TV this month, all of the tournament matches, building up to the final, which aired on the pay-per-view. Starting July 22nd Impact, in which in the opening round match, Sanjay Dutt faced Samoa Joe in a rematch from Slammiversary. And it was really good. Everything in the X Cup is good. Yeah, it's a good tournament, isn't it? Like, this is a very good tournament. And it makes all TV feel good, too. And actually makes TV feel important. Because it's not just random exhibition matches. It's exhibition matches with stakes. This might have been my favorite full month of Impact. Like, in terms of them just it's up there. building a pay-per-view over TV. Because I like I think the main event angle rocks. And I think there's just mm-hmm. a bunch of good X Division stuff. And like tag division's a little flat at the moment. But other than that, I think everything's kind of going pretty well at the very least. Yeah. 
It's fun. There's, there's a, like, there's a couple things, but, like, I forget which episode, but one of these episodes, I was like, that was so jam-packed that if you told me that was the best episode of Impact up until this point, I would be like, yeah, 100%. Yeah, and we've had a few of them. And, like, Impact feels like a real show this month because you do get, like, on this show, you get Sanjay against, you can get Styles against Matt Bentley, and those are just two, like, good, meaty TV matches. Yeah. And they, yeah, this was, I might have even been this show that I was thinking about, but it, yeah, it's a good show. So Joe against Dot, it's, those, these two are perfect for each other because Joe will kill him and Sanjay has great plucky babyface fire and Joe gives him more than he probably still ever should, but it makes the match better <laughs> and it rocks and Sanjay hits like big flip dives and it just, it just rules. It's so good. It's interesting how much Joe does give away in all of these matches. Mm. Like he's not a guy who kills his opponents. Yeah. Despite having that aura of being a guy who kills his opponents. And like the, the AJ match, which we'll talk about in more detail in a second, like he gives a ton to AJ. If anything, he's on like the back foot for a lot of the match. Yeah. And that makes a little more sense because it's AJ who was a guy who mm-hmm. is a world champion. Who is arguably the guy in this company. For Yeah. So it's like that makes a little more sense that he's on the back foot. But like against Sanjay <laughs> twice. I thought I think like this. I think the slam match is a better match just because it's like the presentation of Joe. But this match also just rules. It's just a really great TV yeah, this match. match. And Christopher Daniels is on commentary for all of these tournament matches, and he's still a delight. I really enjoy him. The, Chris, the Christopher Daniels Invitational. Yeah, the the CDI, which upsets Mike Tanay so much. Uh. My favorite part of this is like Daniels is like, I am operating at 120% capacity because I beat five men on the last four pay-per-views, which for a moment just breaks Mike Tanay's brain until he remembers he wrestled <laughs> two minutes on anniversary. He's like, wait a minute, five men, 120%? What? Oh yeah, you wrestled two guys at anniversary. <laughs> I like that. Mike Tanay's bullshit detector is constantly going off with Christopher Daniels. Oh, they're like a bickering married couple. I really enjoy it. Yeah. (laughs) Daniels should be on commentary for every show. I'm surprised because, like, he is on commentary for half of the matches in 2005, basically. (laughs) And he's really good. He's really enjoyable. He's really quick-witted. He's really sharp. He puts over the wrestlers in the right way while also putting over himself. And it's the kind of thing where it's like, how has he not done commentary as, like, a thing uh, he's not retired yet obviously but he's he's coming closer and closer to it it's like i think he'd be really good at the desk yeah put him on collision yeah collision should like uh, well, is it a hot take to say excalibur shouldn't call collision <laughs> even for his own safety <laughs> yeah to give him some but like it should sound and feel different it should have a different lead announcer i don't think they i don't think excalibur should call collision ian well i, I don't mind who it is but ideally someone good so ian would work but like it should be a different team it should be a team that's not on dynamite yeah i'd agree with that uh i love that they went to break pretty quick in this match and came back from break with joseph fucking himself through the air elbow suicida to sanchez <laughs> yeah that's the thing because like and before that, too, he was on the back foot this entire part of the match. Mm. So it was like, Joe getting beaten up, beaten up, beaten up. We go to black, we come back, and then Joe just kills him. <laughs> and you're like, oh, Joe's in charge now. Uh, Joe rolls the SDF right into the Coquina Clutch for the win. Franchise tries to get comments from Joe after the match, but Joe says, doesn't say anything. <laughs> like building to this Joe franchise match. <laughs> yeah, Joe says nothing and walks away. I wonder, is that a Because th- like, th- there's another moment at the pay-per-view where it's, uh, Franchise is like, give me the respect I deserve deserve when trying to interview joe and joe talks for the first time is like i just did give you the respect you deserve and left it's like fuck yeah and franchise makes all those franchise faces yeah it does feel like we're building to joe franchise listen there's worse matches you could do i guess bound for glory (laughs) it's the dream match that we were all waiting for joe franchise 
The main event of that episode is the the second first round match. Rick Flair. <laughs> AJ Styles versus Matt Bentley. Yeah, I also was into this. Notably. It's not as good. Matt Bentley. still good. Yeah, Matt Bentley. And the Bentley bounce. Yeah, so Don explains that due to a legal situation, he's called Matt Bentley. Because that's the name his mama gave him and nobody can take it away from him. Great line. Uh, Tracy distracts AJ as he pulls her up by the hair but allows Bentley to turn to Tide. What a hero. <laughs> He's just trying to attack a woman. It's fine. Which is, uh, sadly, a babyface move in 2005. Yeah, it's a babyface move. There is nothing that gets a bigger pop in wrestling from the years, like 1996 through probably 2023, than a man attacking yeah, a woman. Yeah, I was going to say, did you not see the, like, Fred Ross and Juice Robinson match? Ugh. Uh, Bentley tries to use Tracy's shoe to, to win, but AMW come out and intervene. AJ pins Bentley after a storm super kick to continue the battle of the super kicks. <laughs> Which has a tremendous payoff. <laughs> Uh, July 29th Impact Alex Shelley faces Shocker in their second match Shocker against it's still awesome great chemistry really fun Shelley is great that's it yep yep nailed it you should like if you haven't seen the Shelley Shocker series just watch them at this point check them all on they're all like short yeah they're all like eight minute matches you can watch them in a half hour yeah they're just delightful fast paced wrestling which is weird and then be like excited that was on like American TV well American internet (laughs) It aired on, like, the Sunshine Network. There you go. (laughs) And a real player. The network we're all angling for, and you could download it in your U-Torrent if you wanted. This is the kind of match that should be U-Torrented exclusively, I feel. Shocker versus Alex Shelley. This is the kind of match you stumble across on a grainy YouTube video that you're like, oh, this happened? That's the way that match would be discovered. This is, um, famed matches of one Mercedes Monet. (laughs) Oh yeah, that was on the screen, wasn't it, when she was watching Slammiversary 2005 for some reason. This, uh, show also aired on my ninth birthday seventh eighth one of the birthdays <laughs> i think it was your eighth birthday but sure it, it was eight i got there eventually i know the year you were born i'm a good friend i was gonna say i said nine and got it wrong but then i was gonna say eight and then my mouth just said seven <laughs> so i was like fuck now i sound like i really don't know but i knew it was eight when was i born <laughs> i don't know Shocker attempted to get out of working the last pay-per-view and tapings, calling from Mexico the day before to say he had a bad back. When they noted he was still working in Mexico, he claimed he could work there without aggravating it. They pressured him to fly in, which he did. He's like, yeah, you got me. (laughs) It's the classic, like, you ditch work and you run into your boss and, like, the job you're in is like, fuck, 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 fuck. (laughs) Or uh, you've gotten out of school and then your mom comes home at, like, lunch to check up on you and you're, like, playing video games in the lounge room. You're like, no, 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 (laughs) no. Uh, he's seemingly having trouble adjusting to being a superstar all week where everything he does gets over and he's presented in such a big time way and then coming into Impact where he's just a guy. He's walking down, kissing his biceps, getting no reaction. I thought that was just Dave going, oh, he's having such a hard time being a superstar all week. Everyone loves him and he's the biggest deal. You read that with a lot more sassiness and sarcasm? Yeah, because you were reading it. King of sass. Mm, so maybe he doesn't want to come in but yeah Shelly wins with Shocker's own cradle which I think is the Shockwave but I think Mike Tanay calls it something else this month so they might have changed it Shock treatment uh, we'll mention it here because I don't think it really meant matters anywhere else James Storm versus Matt Bentley in the battle of the super kicks which ends with no super kicks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is sick yeah but the battle of the super kick ends with James Storm hitting the 8 second ride for the win it's perfect 
how do you think it is? Because Mike Tanay and Don West at this stage have two years of calling Michael Shane, Michael Shane. Yeah. How hard do you think it is in your brain? And this is a tape show, so maybe it's a little easier in that regard. But to be calling these Matt Bentley matches and being like, Matt Bentley, Matt Bentley, Matt Bentley, Matt Bentley. Um... I don't know, because they're already getting used to calling him a fake name anyway. He does have four different names, you're not wrong. They probably call him Matt backstage, so... Mm, it is the name his mama gave him, can't take it away from him. So they probably just like had to swap their brain a little bit and they were fine. And it is a tape show, so they can fix it if they get it wrong, I guess. And they're professionals. And they spent the last, like, six weeks redubbing DVDs, so they're fucking sick of him. Yeah, they're like, we get it, we know your fucking name. Uh, Petey Williams defeated Chris Saban in a Super X Cup first round match. Uh, this was like the least good of them all, but it was still good. Mm. Daniel's pointing out, I beat both of them. Which is great. Uh, one of my favorite little touches, if you remember, their first match was built all around the fact that Saban has the, the counter to the Canadian Destroyer. And like first spot in this match, PD goes for the Destroyer, Saban does the same counter. It's like, ah, you, you guys, you're doing little long-term stuff. You guys, you you get it. Mm. Every, no one else gets it, but you get it. Tanae, of course, brings up that Chris Saban is the winner of the first Super X Cup. And yes. again, speaking to Daniels being like real quick-witted, he's like, he only won it because I wasn't in it. Uh, which, by the way, <laughs> if you've never seen the Saban Hoopy match, the finals of that first Super X Cup, which might be better than any match in this tournament. Well, yeah, it is. And it's one of like the biggest sort of undiscovered gems that a lot of people haven't seen. Yeah, it's a very early in Saban's career. Uh, it's, it's the match where you look like a lot of Saban's 03 stuff is pretty good. It's fine. It's like nothing special, but you're like, there's potential there. And then you watch the Hoobie matches like, oh no, he, he can be great. Like this dude can be great. Yeah. Uh, A1 distracts Saban, allowing Petey to hit a tornado DDT off the apron. Tene and Daniels are sniping at each other over the CDI, which I really enjoyed. Because <laughs> he's like, Chris Daniels Invitational. And Chris Daniels is like, Christopher Daniels Invitational. Thank you for Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Michael tonight makes me thoroughly uncomfortable. Michael. Just countering him being called Chris with calling my today Michael. It's just like, they're such a bitchy married couple it's so good i like that also um that don takes like a back step mm. whenever these two are on commentary he's like i get it i'm just calling the match here guys i'm not getting between you yeah the classic son who doesn't want to take a side between his bickering parents yeah saban hit the cradle shock a1 distracted the ref he got a visual pin pd hit saban in the gut with a hockey stick and followed with the canadian destroyer he will face aj in the semi-final what a cool tournament it's just like no, only the, the final is like go out of your way to see but it is yeah. just it fills the entire month which is good eight minute x division matches on tv and they, 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 that's the thing they're, they're all eight to 12 minutes on tv they're all like quick fast good wrestling not like like clawing your eyeballs out boring slow not two minutes you don't get anything to sink your teeth into it's just like the perfect pacing of a tv tournament and it's like the matches are cool and good which is a lot better than like here is apollo singles match with david young <laughs> so you're just like yeah thank you on the topic of cool and good in the semi-final of the super x cup the only career singles match between alex shelley and samoa joe that's great <laughs> it's a real good match the only time these two have ever wrestled is this august 5th 2005 impact isn't that crazy it is insane you would expect to have heard like and even like outside of the obvious like oh yeah you know you'd expect some sort of ring of honor thing at some point mm -hmm. like they were both in dna for long periods of time you would have expected like a 2008 five minute match between them at the very least you know yeah. just some random tv match and they're, they're in tags they're opposite sides of tags a lot but this is their only singles match it's crazy 
It is. It's it's pretty wild. How did nobody else run this match? How did everybody looked at the state of the Indies in 2005 and only TNA once thought Joe and Shelley? Mm. But like, you just can't imagine like through multiple companies, they never did it. No PWG match, no random indie, no like random shit. It's like, how did nobody else ever do this? Yeah. Yeah, they do like a wacky submission match and it's fun. <laughs> it's one of those that has like a chaotic, like, like uh, uh, sloppy is the wrong word, but like there's, there's like a live ammo element to it. Oh yeah, like it, it, it's like the fun kind of sloppy mm. or it's just two guys going out there trying to out wrestle each other uh daniel's on commentary aj watching from a monitor and pd watching on from the ramp there is a small hint of a joe's gonna kill you chant for i think the first time uh that's the first time i remember uh was that a ring of honor chant yeah so i seem to remember them get, getting some joe is gonna kill you but post tna or pre tna pre I think so. I'm just going to claim TNA invented it. These fans yeah, why not? right here in the Impact Zone invented Joe's Gonna Kill You. No one who's listening to this show has ever seen a Ring of Honor show. That's true. There's no way to prove otherwise. I do like, like, the, the match is like them going, like, submission for submission, a lot of it on the mat. And then the end of the match is Joe just strikes the shit out of uh, Shelly and Muscle Busters cooking. Like, Joe just turns it up a level and just beats him. Yeah. Because Samoa Joe is very, very good. But it's actually, like, my favorite kind of switch that he does. Mm. Is that, like, he'll just, like, he'll turn it around and just start beating ass. Yeah, you, they, like, go move for move, and then he just slaps the shit out of you and Muscle Busters here. It's like, well... Yeah. Which is, like, an interesting facet to his character. Mm. Like, like he doesn't just come out guns blazing and try to murder someone. It's like he enjoys the, the hunt. And then he's just like, I want to beat you now. And I can, because I'm Samoa Joe. Yeah, now I will, because I've I've deemed it this is the time for me to do it. Petey Williams, AJ Styles is your other semi-final match. I thought Petey might win. <laughs> you thought you were getting Joe and Petey on the pay-per-view? I did. I kind of thought we were going to get Joe Petey. Demore is so in with his boy that he's going to book him to win the Super X Cup. Well, I just thought they might save the AJ thing. So I was I was kind of I was kind of shocked when Petey won. Wait, when Petey didn't win, sorry. Daniels is on commentary again, and Daniels addresses a comment to Don and Mike is just literally, it's like I'm not even here. <laughs> I, love, I love them. Put them back together now. That's your that's your collision announced team. Christopher Daniels and Mike Tanae. And Paul White. <laughs> sure. Daniels needles Styles on commentary for losing the world title in his first match, which is like wonderful petty nonsense. Uh, PD got a near fall on the crucifix bomb. AJ clumsily applied a La Maestral, which I think was meant to be the finish, but it was just clumsy. So PD reversed into a sharpshooter, and then AJ grabbed a small package for the actual finish. <laughs> so your Super X Cup final at Sacrifice is the phenomenal AJ Styles versus the Samoan submission machine, Samoa Joe. I mean, it don't get much better, do it. Did you like that match? <laughs> oh, Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles? Yeah, you know, the, the, the two wrestlers are pretty good wrestling here at Bayview. Yeah, you know... Oh, I thought it was pretty good. It's no Hoovy Chris Saban. I think, legitimately, I think Hoovy Saban's a better match, but... I mean, it is. Like, Hoovy Saban, I think we were like four and a quarter to four and a half on. Mm. This is four to four and a quarter. So I was like, it's not like blown out the water but like that was like legitimately insane that that took a place this is just a really good Samoa Joe AJ Styles match happening on a TNA pay-per-view which I'm not gonna like knock because it's nice to have four star plus matches on TNA pay-per-views every now and again mm. yeah it's great fucking I assume everyone's like seen this at some point yeah because I, I think of the two the turning point match between them is the better and then none of their other TNA matches I think touch either of these they're all pretty good but like the this and then the match later in the year are the two Joe AJ matches I think full stop even 
inside or outside of TNA. Like their WWE matches are kind of terrible. Yeah, it's it's just Joe is a monster, and there is like no greater counterpoint to 2005 Samoa Joe than 2005 AJ Styles. He's they're just yeah. like the perfect two pro wrestlers for each other at at this moment in time. Of like we talked about how AJ just takes insane bumps for literally everything. And you watch this match and he takes insane bumps for literally everything. Like, yeah. Every move, every There's bump, every There's a reason you always ask about, like, who's going to be the Joe for whoever this hot high flyer is because it, like, it helps mold them into a bo- more complete pro wrestler. Mm. It's just, like, that combination. It's the thing about Osprey. It's like, there's a Joe out there for Osprey. I'm sad he's never found it, really. No. Well, but, but like, he kind of did it by himself. But it would have been nice to have someone slap it into him. Mm. Let me pose a question to you. Gary Kidney, was Vader Will Ospreay's Samoa Joe? <laughs> if you took the two men from the respective primes, that match would be fucking awesome. I'd be like the greatest of all time. I do think if you're to ask Will Ospreay which match taught you most about the wrestling business, the Vader match is probably up there. Oh, and he put Vader over? <laughs> what a thorough learning experience that was for young Will. And you know what the thing is? Even if I'm Will at that point, like, my star is rising, blah, blah, blah. I'm still putting Vader over. Why not? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a fucking Red Pro show. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I wouldn't do it in Japan. <laughs> That's probably a bit of too big of a stage. Well, Vader's a bigger star in Japan. It might, it might be a bigger deal in Japan. Yeah, but, like, I'm saying, especially if you beat him in Japan at that point. Mm. <laughs> I wonder how many Japanese fans even knew that that had happened. I don't think many Western fans remember that has happened. Never mind Japanese fans. Is that like just a weird thing that people on Twitter from that era know? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Are we the niche creeps? We are the niche creeps because Will wasn't like a big. He was like on the cusp at that stage, but he wasn't oh, like uh, with like world-renowned star he is now. And like it was oh, just no. it, it literally it was a match that came from Twitter. So it's all the Twitter creeps that, that were there and saw that match posted in to existence but i just assumed that people knew i don't think people remember the will osprey vader match okay everyone <laughs> well no they're all creeps that are listening all you sickos out there all our best friends are all twitter weirdos too well okay if you're a sicko who listens but don't have twitter mm-hmm. <laughs> get in the discord and let us know that you a did remember the vader will osprey match or b did not remember it who is i can't remember the exact tweet but it was like vader tweeting like who the fuck is sudo twa <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> oh yeah tweeted about that rover that's good that's good stuff yeah happy vader one of the undisputed greatest posters <laughs> I was thinking, you think I was going to say wrestlers? Nah, posters. Yeah, and this shit doesn't happen on TikTok. Yeah! You don't get this on Instagram. You probably get a lot of Vader on Facebook in that era, I'd imagine, but not fun stuff. Um, yeah, not him calling out Will Ospreay and then beating him. Yeah, and then the match happening and then beating him. It's so good. Bless Twitter. It has only given us good things, except the bad things. Except the Nazis. So that does bring us back to Joe and AJ. Joe is wearing black and white tights. My longtime conspiracy theory. That means he means business. <laughs> Which is funny because like, I think it's like one of these like less good color schemes. You're not a fan of the black and white? No, it's kind of dull. I want peach. That's his, I'm going up a... Peach is his other one where you like, if he's wearing the peach, it's going crazy. I do wonder, like, maybe even it's not even a subconscious thing. But when he's like picking gear... And I wonder if the wrestlers actually think about this. It's like... We have wrestlers that listen. You get in the DMs, all right? Yeah, let, let us know. Do you have the I'm trying tonight gear? 
mm-hmm. versus, eh, you know, we'll, we'll yeah. slap on a few holds, uh, do a couple of falsies and get out of there. All right, wrestlers who are listening, get in the DMs and tell us, do you have the, this is my trying gear? Mm-hmm. We will be inundated. The only wrestler so far we've DM'd is Conan. <laughs> All right, Conan, get in the D- I'm going to DM <laughs> him right now. Uh, Conan did send us a DM saying, do you listen to uh, my podcast? To which I replied, do you listen to my podcast? (laughs) Then he sent the plug to his podcast and then replied like 10 minutes later, once again asking, do you listen to my podcast? (laughs) That is our extensive DM exchange with Conan. Conan, a big star of this episode of the show. He's all over the place. We still have a a freaking Conan angle to talk about. Are you typing a message to Conan? Yeah. Please read the message you're typing to Conan. I think you should read it. Oh, I have to switch Twitter accounts. I'm logged into the other one. <laughs> Hit send. Sorry, I was, I was making sure I didn't have spelling mistakes. <clears throat> hey, K-Dog. Do you have gear that you wear specifically when you want to go out and kill it? Thanks. Thanks spelled T-H-X. <laughs> I tried to pronounce it that way. I tried to get through that in, in, in intonation. So we'll, we'll see does Conan get back to us before the end of the show. <laughs> if not, we'll update you yeah, later. Okay. If, if Conan wants to jump in the Skype call... <laughs> That actually worked once. JB did reply to us about why uh, Hiroyoshi Tenzan was at the the World Wrestling All Star Show. Yeah, so we'll keep we'll keep that Twitter up <laughs> just in case. Uh, Joe sits, hits Styles with an elbow suicida that sends Styles all the way into the desk. It rocks. Joe kills AJ with a boot in the ropes that sends AJ out to the floor, and AJ just crushes to the floor. It's so good. Uh, Joe whips AJ into the rail. AJ jumps over the rail, comes back with a forearm off the rail. Joe fucking murders AJ with a power bomb. <laughs> he absolutely kills him. He literally bounces this dude off the mat. God, good stuff. Like I watched that and I yelped. Because, like, I watch these shows, not quite twice, because we watch them for the watch-along, tnhad.com, patreon.com, slash getting me. But then I do, like, a skim back through them to do notes for, the like, the actual show, which is what I'm reading to you right now. And, like, I saw that powerbomb, I clipped it for Twitter, and then I watched it, like, six times. It's just like, dear lord, look at the man bounce. He bounces AJ Styles off of that mat. He kills him. Yeah, there's, like, there's, there's like a tangible boing. <laughs> Ugh. He just kills him. AJ jumps a leg sweet falls with a paler, which is a cool move. Joe does the Terry Funk tumbleweed. And Joe kills AJ with a lariat for a near fall that the crowd completely by. Uh, my favorite thing, AJ fires up with strikes, but then Joe just fires back with slaps. So he's just like, fuck you and your strikes. Here are my better strikes. For AJ resorts to a kick. Uh, ref bump on a torture rack bomb. Daniels, who was on commentary for the match, jumps in. Hits Styles with an STO. He feigns to hit Joe with the belt, but Joe turns around in time to see him. Daniels is like, no, 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 no. Styles tries to clothesline Daniels out of the ring. Unfortunately, he does the thing where he tries to take like the back reverse clothesline out. And he doesn't get over the ropes mm-hmm. and has to fall under the ropes. <laughs> It happens to the best of us. And then Joe slaps the muscle buster, cooking a clutch combo. He beats AJ. He's the winner of the second Super X Cup, joining Chris Saban. Nice. I did appreciate the finish as well, where they locked in the cooking clutch and AJ did like, there was a good like desperation reach for rope sequence that almost made you feel like he was going to get there. And then he didn't. And he just lost. He tapped out. Yeah, I, I love that sort of element to submission finishes. There's like two really great submission finishes that I love. And one's like desperation. The other one's like, not the immediate tap, but the like, I'm, I can't do anything. Like, I'm not reaching for anything. I'm just sort of like, uh, and then taps. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the, like the heel, I'm surviving tap. It's the, the, I'm trapped and there is nowhere to go and it's over. Yeah. Like, it, it works really well with the Kokina Clutch too. Because like, they'll have this moment of like, like they put their hand up to like to, in front of their face almost. And they're just like, uh, this isn't happening. I'm going out. <laughs> 
Joe celebrates with his trophy. He is now number one contender. A very large trophy. Mm. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I have a question yet. Go. I obviously did not watch The Night of Champions. Neither did I, but... <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I heard cinema happened, and I was going to ask you to recount what cinema happened. I did see the 42-second Twitter video. I can I can recount that to you. Please, thank you. So the Uso who's on the side of Roman, I don't watch Raw enough to know which is which. I think it's Jay. Is it Jimmy? Is it Nobody's Bitch, or is it the right-hand man? I think it's Nobody's Bitch. It's the one who hasn't been, like, dissenting. Like, yeah, yeah, because, like, like, Jay was the one that everyone thought was going to, like be the guy yeah he was like sammy's pal and he's like all conflicted yeah and, and jimmy was the one that was like staying oh, with roman the whole time yeah so guy. today they did the big angle where jimmy was the one who turned on roman ah but jay's the one that's like actually good <laughs> but like the thing was like reigns was bullying jay and he was getting into him and he was berating him and then jimmy snapped and super kicked reigns twice okay good well so like both the usos are now hate roman in theory until they probably do some shit where jay actually stays with roman and jimmy goes on his own now when we do another six months of this shit i hope each uso wins a world title no i hope reigns beats them both in back-to-back months where people think they're both they going do to a win. handicap match for both belts and raymond beats them both <laughs> raymond that's what i just called him roman and reigns together raymond <laughs> raymond everybody loves raymond <laughs> everybody loves raymond my favorite 90s platformer is Raymond. <laughs> oh, shit. All right, fucking let's go. Whatever we're talking about next. X Division, uh, Daniels and Aries. Yes, so we had the X Division International Dream Match. The internet dream match, to be precise, at Sacrifice, where Christopher Daniels faced a fan poll winner, which the poll was Daniels would face Austin Aries, Roderick Strong, Jay Lethal, or Matt Seidel, whoever won the poll. I would have voted for Austin Aries. Would you like me to expose the business? Expose it! They booked Aries all along. (laughs) I'm going to punch my computer screen. You feel cheated? If you can't respect the sanctity of an online poll, what can you respect? Aries did win the poll, but also they booked him from the start. What the fuck? I guess they knew of those four, because Aries is Ring of Honor. Yeah, the former ROH champion. Yeah, is he Ring of Honor champion right now? No, he lost it to Punk at this stage. No, it's Summer of Punk. Yeah, so he just, he had beaten Joe this year. He lost at the Punk. So, like, he's, like, the, the biggest name of those four. So I think they probably knew Aries was going to win. They do break down the poll. They do say he gets 55% of the vote. So dominant win for mm-hmm. A-double. I wonder if that was... Uh, how can I trust that that was a shoot now? Well, they could have lied. You're not wrong. It might not have been 55%. 
But like he makes the most sense. My favorite thing is Don's like, you know, Mike, I don't want to admit this, but I actually voted for Ares myself. I just like the idea of Don West like staying up all night watching his ROH DVDs. <laughs> He's like, I gotta see Austin Aries in the TNA. And that's why Don West ROH funny. Good. Very good transition back into the show. World class. Yep. And in the interests of transparency to you, our best friends, uh, we were recording that first part right up to talking about Don West and Ring of Honor. And (laughs) then uh, for the third time recording, uh, we cut out. So we we gave up and we're back a day later. And you have to give all the credit in the world to one Liam Jones, who has come from an early work shift to fit this into his day. So you should go on Twitter and say nice things to him. And then probably more importantly, go to TNHad.com and give him money. (laughs) Yeah. Then I can quit the job and then I can do this. (laughs) For his devotion and dedication to you, our best friends. I'm also exhausted. So if you you wanted the manic energy of the watch-alongs, you're probably going to get it. Yeah, if you wonder, it's like, Liam suddenly hit Daniels and Aries and just energy levels fell apart. It's like, well, that's what died. (laughs) He really just hates Austin Aries. Yeah. So we were talking about how Don admitted he voted for Aries, which is very funny. And he, he gave the reason being that all the wrestlers in the locker room talked about how great Aries was. That seems about right. Which is funny. It's like maybe they were just burying lethal side Alan Strong. <laughs> but yeah. And like the actual match itself is really cool on paper because it is like this l- sort of long-term X Division champion at this point. And, you know, guy fresh off being an ROH champion. It's like a cool little Worlds Collide moment. It is an internet dream match. They're not lying. No, not at all. So this was meant to be Liger? Yeah, it was meant to be Liger, and they also wanted it to be Ultimo Dragon. We talked a little about that in the last episode, how they were trying to get them for this show. And as it turned out, they didn't. So they got Ares and then did a gimmicked poll, which wasn't gimmicked. Just said Ares did win, but also Ares was meant to win. And they booked Ares from the start. <laughs> but Ares was the okay. man. And this isn't Ares' TNA debut. He did some explosion stuff. His, his actual TNA debut was an explosion match against Mad Mikey. Now that's that's the dream match. That's the McGee heart of 2023. Listen, we found that match. It's on Impact Plus. <laughs> oh my god. Everyone, go watch it right now. If you go to the Hidden Gem section on Impact Plus, that was one of the ones I actively sought out. The Austin Aries nice. Mad Mikey match. One of the few men that Austin Aries is probably taller than. So rude. <laughs> yeah, it was a little mean, but it's Austin Aries. So, you know what? I don't feel bad about it. Taller than you? Is Aries taller than me? I'm 5'6". I think we might be roughly the same height. You're allowed to say it then. Yeah, as a short king, I'm allowed to call people small. Yeah. I have that entitlement. Yeah, really good match. Nothing like blow away, blow your socks off, but one of those just like, just rounds out a pay-per-view with a damn good like three and a half star Aries Daniels match. And it was just fun. It was just fun to have on the show. Yeah, did like, they were didn't go out there and do an epic. They did like a 12 minute match. It's just like, go out there, have a fun match. Aries hits his 450. Daniels gets his fingertips on the rope, which is always a nice touch. Like just barely got there. Mm-hmm. They did a good job protecting Ares. Yeah, and Daniels reverses the Brainbuster into the Angels' wings for the win. I think we talked about this in the watch along, but it, it's remarkable just how much Austin Ares here is just Austin Ares. Yeah, he like, and only what like we think we worked out like three, four years into his career, he just has it all together already. Yeah, it's just like this is the man who will win the TNA World Title. There's not a lot of difference in t- in the bell to bell of what this man is doing now in 05 versus what he does in 2012. With a brief Austin Star interlude. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to get to that. And like, you know, he's 27 here, which is old-ish, I guess. 
in comparison to his contemporaries. Yeah, he's always a little bit older. You think of him as the, like the young guy, but he's a few years older than most of the guys around him. He's closer to like Danielson's age. Well, like the thing with Ares is I think of him as like the, like the generation after. Mm. When it's like he's actually older than the generation before. Yeah, he should be in there. He's not quite Chris Daniels old, but he's what, if he was 27 now, that's uh, 16 years later. So he'd be 43 now. Math? <laughs> I, explosions in my brain just occurred. I can't tell Wait, you. no, it's 18 years. So he'd be 45. Um, so yeah, he's mid 40s now. So he's, he's, he's not a young man anymore. Though he did kick ass when he was in TNA last time or in Impact last time. Mm-hmm. so he's still good that was a good run it's so funny to think like he could he like if he wasn't austin aries he'd probably be on AEW TV, like teaming with strong or something right now wouldn't he you could say that about so many pro wrestlers throughout history if they weren't just themselves like the two big ones at the moment are loki and aries like loki would be all over AEW if he wasn't loki yeah but he is Loki, and that's part of being Loki, I think. Would Loki be Loki if he wasn't Loki? That's the question. It's a very good one. And, like, I, I think there's a version of Undisputed Era that has Austin Aries in it, if Aries yeah. isn't Aries. He was around there at the same time, wasn't he? Well, he was He was never really in WWE. He did tough enough. No, he did the Cruiserweight run. Oh, he was in WWE. Oh, I, I don't know why I completely blanked that from my brain. Yeah, he was Cruiserweight champion. Yeah, and wrestled Pac at WrestleMania. I forgot all about that. That just disappeared and from my skull. Brief Raw champion. <laughs> oh, not Raw champion, Raw announcer or whatever, too. Yeah, I've got, I, I cannot believe how much that exited my brain. <laughs> yeah, like, that's such a weird of-the-moment run as well. When was that? 2017? 16? 2016, I would have thought. He had a Mania match. Yeah. A really good WrestleMania match. In front of like seven people, because it was one of those on the pre-show where like nobody was in the building yet. Was it him and Park? It was him and Park, yeah. And then that's what led to like the Park issues too, because they didn't get paid for like a Mania payday because they were on the pre-show. Yeah. They didn't get like the DVD revenue or whatever. I cannot believe how much I forgot Austin Aries was in that company. I, I can't believe it. <laughs> uh, from January 22nd, 2016 to July 7th, 2017. Yeah, I guess that, that makes a lot of sense. It was basically between Impact runs because he left TNA at the end of 2015, went to WWE and then came back to Impact in the start of 2018. So I don't think he actually did win the Cruiserweight title. I think he was just chasing. Yeah, there you go. Aries and Daniels. Real good match. Daniels wins, reverses a brain buster into the Angels' wings. Aries defeated TJ Perkins, Jack Gallagher and... Mustafa Ali in a fatal four-way. Probably a good match. But just like, what, 2016 names? Yeah, Mustafa Ali, who just wrestled on a WWE pay-per-view. TJP, who had a good run in the Best of Super Juniors. Mm-hmm. And uh, Austin Aries there. Nobody Jack else. Gallagh- no, no, nobody else. No, we're not going to talk about anyone else in that match. It's fine. And noted. <laughs> uh, so there's a, a couple other stories in the X Division. Let's go real quick to Shelly and Shocker, because it's basically they just had a match at the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. So they had they were 1-1, Shell or Shocker won the Slammiversary match, Shelly won the Super X Cup tournament match, and then they had their third match at the pay-per-view. Shocker having some lovely white tights on him. Oh, just Shelly's still trying to find himself. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's very interesting to see like this dude will be the most influential wrestler of a generation, undeniably. Mm-hmm. And you see it in the in ring work. You just not in like Everyone's going to rip up his gear yet. Yeah, but in terms of look, presentation, how he carries himself, it's not there yet in 2005, in, in August 05. And you're just like, it's it's interesting to see how he'll work it out. And then he'll work it out on behalf of like 75 other wrestlers after him. Yeah. <laughs> Which is very good of him to do. 
Uh, go back and listen to our exact thoughts on the Super X Cup match between Shelly and Shocker. This is basically the same. Delightful little eight-minute match. Shelly wins by reversing a Lamistral and grabbing the ropes. Jesus Christ. It's knocking things over. That's how much I can't, I'm fucking amped up about Alex Shelley and Shocker. So that rounds out the Shelley and Shocker series. And then the other big main story in the X Division is the Sean Waltman and Jerry Lynn feud. If you remember coming off the back of the No Surrender match, uh, Jerry Lynn was the referee of AJ Styles and Sean Waltman. Waltman grabbed the ropes at the end of that match. Lynn kicked his hands off the ropes and then Waltman was like, what the fuck, you cost me in the match and stared daggers through him. And also... um. I'm pretty sure they're still cutting a promo about it to 2023. First impact of the month. There was a backstage segment between Sean Waltman and Jerry Lynn. What do you mean was in past tense? (laughs) They're still talking. Uh, so Waltman was mad at Lynn for interjecting himself into the No Surrender match. Uh, Lynn ran down the matches they've had, how they changed Waltman's career. But then Waltman went on to great success in WCW and WWF while Lynn kind of meandered through. In ECW. And then Waltman was like, here, have some money for a Big Mac. Nice. <laughs> so, like, the story being that, like, Waltman hit the big time and left Lynn behind him and forgot the guy that made him. And that's basically the setup here. And they talk for 15 minutes. While Waltman weirdly stands with his, like, his hand behind his back. Yeah, Waltman's, like, a right pervert here. There's a real bad energy about Sean Waltman in this yeah, segment. There is, that, that is the most accurate description of Sean Waltman. Is there's a real bad energy about him here. <laughs> uh, the crux of it, though, Waltman challenged Lynn for sacrifice and Lynn accepted. So, like, beyond the fact that this was really long and boring, mm-hmm. like, my biggest problem with it is that it made Jerry Lynn sound like a big whiny bitch. Yeah, so you were successful. Yeah, you you left me behind. You made money. And it's like, I'm not going to root for this guy. I'm going to root for the fucking dickhead who just offered to buy you a Big Mac. He's so much more interesting. Uh, yeah. There's like 10 times too where Walman's like, this is the final line of the promo. And then Jerry Lynn's, and another thing. <laughs> that happens so often in this thing. It just keeps going where Walman does the outline. It's just like, blah bladdy blah bladdy blah bladdy blah <laughs> And you can even tell that Walman was like, really? <laughs> can, can, can we wrap this? <laughs> I'm surprised that they weren't like, let's let's do another take. Let's let's try that one again. No, if they did another take, everyone would have died of old age. <laughs> I suppose if you don't end the first take, you can't do a second take. I like to imagine they all wanted to go home, but then like Scott Demore's like, we need to, we gotta fill up this episode of TV. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, the the earlier match on the show went two minutes short. It's all Joe and Sanjay. So go fault. seventeen more. <laughs> There was a package on the August 5th impact going through their history. There was some footage from Japan from, I think, the UWF? I think so. I think that's where they wrestled. Uh, Because they had a bunch of matches there, and I think the timelines match up. So that's where they randomly pulled some footage of Lynn and Waltman. And then that's it, basically. That takes you to the pay-per-view. Jerry Lynn versus Sean Waltman. To be fair, that's all you need, really. Yeah, and they basically shot the angle for it at No Surrender. Like, So they have the reason to wrestle. And also, they, they really don't want to fly Waltman in. <laughs> yeah, and you go through their history, and they, they wrestle. And I really like this match. It's like, you're like one of your like favorite TNA matches ever. Yeah, I put it on the list because that list includes like historical significance and like matches being interesting. And I think this match, I think I always liked the idea of going back to classic rivalries. Because it, it's, it's one of those things where, well, it could be risky. Because if you go back to a classic rivalry, people are older and maybe not as good. But it, it's always a fun idea to be like, these are the two men who did legitimately revolutionize cruiserweight wrestling in the United States. They were doing things in, in like, fair enough, like stuff like 
like this was happening in Japan and Mexico all the time. But like this style of wrestling did not break into the mainstream until much later in America. And these were two of the guys who helped push that forward. Waltman especially when he broke onto the WWF and had that really good run as one, two, three kid. And then Lynn had his mm-hmm. like the ECW stuff and went on to do the Rob Van Dam stuff, which was super influential in his own way. Like, and then you bring these two back together for a cool pay-per-view match. It's just one of those matches you put on a pay-per-view and it's like, this is a really fun attraction. And it like, and it helps. Like, it's kind of the same thing with Aries and Daniels, where it just fills it out nicely too. Yeah, and, and once again, like the X Division becoming the backbone of this company once again, which was what kind of lost it in the Dusty years. It's like, well, you're filling out these pay per views with random matches, but they're terrible. <laughs> so, yeah. whereas they're filling out these pay per views with Austin Aries versus Christopher Daniels and Jerry Lynn versus Sean Waltman and Alex Shelley versus Shocker, like that, that is a much better way to fill out a pro wrestling pay-per-view than giving me a sunny siaki match yeah 100 percent. jerry lynn got like the big formal introduction jb welcomed him back from injury this was the debut of jerry lynn's infamous ski theme song (laughs) (laughs) jerry lynn is just like the cool uncle yeah he loves his heavy metal but also is just a nice solid reliable guy what was the line that we, that we used all the time? Destroy the opposition. <laughs> it's up there with straight oh, up Jerry. GE. I directed that Elix Skipper as some of his famous lines. <laughs> the two are just, oh. Mr. Dork. Yeah, Mr. Nerd. Thank you very much. Sorry, Mr. Nerd. 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 <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Hold your horses, Mr. Nerd, is it? Nerd, is it? <laughs> Maybe Jerry actually the greatest promo of all time. It's very important to deliver the mic and A. That's right. That's right. Signing off. Jerry Lynn, again, like, there's a lot, a lot of people who we would have at least three memorable lines for in TNA history. And Jerry Lynn is up there. So fair play to him. Dusty Rhodes. Vince Russo. Jerry Lynn. The infamous TNA promos. Uh, uh, when Jerry Lynn does his last match for the company, we have to just make the whole intro Jerry Lynn quotes. Yeah. Um, oh, they did show the Hoobie driver where he got injured in one of those packages, and he got fucking killed on that thing. <laughs> it's Hoobie, baby. Uh, but yeah, he got a very nice reception. Mike Tanay walked through like the history like of how his own interest in wrestling was waning a little, and then he saw Lynn and Waltman on ESPN and fell back in love. And they go through the history of how like they were the genesis of the X Division, and then talk about how Jerry Lynn uh, has been on a year-long road to recovery and, you know, he loves wrestling and he loves Impact and TNA so much that he's been backstage helping out through the entire time he was injured, like, setting the stage. I think they did a real good job here. Yeah, and um, it's funny because, like, it doesn't really feel like he's been gone that long. It doesn't, and it has been over a year? Maybe about a year. I think, like, July-ish last year. Maybe tipping into August was the last time we saw him. So it's mm. pretty much a full-on year since he's last wrestled. Did he ever actually appear on Impact before this? Like, other than in the angles with the AJ and the stuff? He, like, did he wrestle? He would have wrestled on Impact, yeah. Because he was around until August. I'm pretty sure he's at least had a one Impact match. Yeah, okay, he did a couple. Wait, no, that's Jarrell Clark. <laughs> Easy to mix them up. They're very similar. He did the pay-per-views during the same time as Impact, but he did he not do an Impact? Because I can't, off the top of my head, picture him in the Impact zone, so he might not have. I think... He only no. He only did the pay per views that were running at the same time as Impact, but he never did Impact. It's interesting. I wonder was there like a reason he wasn't available. That's that is that's really interesting. 
So this is technically his, his first time wrestling in the Impact Zone. Yeah, or he was already injured because the Hoobie match was, I think, May. I think that was the, the World X Cup. So he was already hurt mm. and he worked after that. So maybe they were like, we'll just we'll save him for the pay per views. He won't have him work a five minute TV squash, which is all they were doing on TV, not even five minutes. Mm. Uh, so story naturally, Waltman hits the shoulder breaker and starts working over Lynn's injured shoulder. Because he's a dick. Yeah, but I like that. Like he's not a full dick. He's not like if, well, he does a low blow in this match. So he's 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 a he's the regular Sean Waltman level dick. I think. Yeah, bad energy. They do a spot where, where you see this teased a million times, where you have a guy on the apron and he teases doing a suplex to the floor. And 99 times out of 100, nobody actually does it. Because the suplex to the floor from that position would suck. Especially, like, yeah. coming over the ropes would suck. Uh, these two did it, and you could hear the thud Waltman landed with. It's like, oh, that's why nobody actually does it. Especially these two old fuckers. Hmm. <laughs> Waltman it's a low blow and an X-Factor but Lynn got his foot in the rope Waltman takes Lynn up to his shoulders but Lynn rolls through with a victory roll picks up the win and after the match Waltman bows they shook hands Waltman paraded Lynn around the ring before dropping him with a shoulder breaker draped <gasps> his shoulder over the rail and hit it with a chair before the X-Division lads who were watching on from the ramp that was the little story they wanted to tell that Sabin, Sanjay and Shark while were watching on went from the ramp seeing these guys like do their X-Division thing one more time I love the idea of Shark Boy being like flashback back like, yes, the time. he's taking it in he's being respectful yep yeah i thought like really good angle shame it doesn't go anywhere for um various reasons doesn't go anywhere reasons we'll get into in the next one's episode but i i think it would have set up a real heated rematch between the two uh i, I really like this match i think it's just two guys going out there who are pros pros having a pros pros match and it's real darn good and it's real cool to see two guys who were were on a different stage get a different stage like be highlighted as part of the X Division given they inspired the X Division I think that's cool yeah alright that's most of the X Division there's a couple of random X Division TV matches that we don't even need to bother like Matt Bentley beat Shark Boy <laughs> so that takes us over to the world title scene in which there's no world title match this month because Jarrett and Rhino are running roughshod over everybody they are the, the rough riders <laughs> July 22nd in fact Raven's here <laughs> Raven's here. <laughs> Raven is here. He's always hanging around. Mike Tanae puts over the internet reviews of No Surrender. That's us. Which is funny to see them, like, again, they call Daniels and Aries an internet dream match. And, like, this is the era of wrestling where if the word internet fan is said on television, it's always said in, like, a derisive sense. Yeah. It's like, oh, the internet fan. The IWC yeah, here they're like embracing it. It's like my is like the internet reviews were great. We are doing the internet dream match. We're allowing the internet to vote on what that match should be. It's kind of like an open embrace of the internet as opposed to running away. Well, from people it. always love the internet when they're on their side. <laughs> no, yeah, no one ever does the wrestling is subjective rant when somebody says you have a good match. Yeah, exactly. No one's ever like, no, you don't know shit. You don't know whether that match was good. Don't you compliment me? Oh, how many bumps have you taken? <laughs> Uh, Raven does a promo. He says, plans are like tyrants. The simpler they are, the easier they are to execute. Makes sense. He beat Abyss at the pay-per-view, but then Jared showed up to steal his thunder. TNA isn't big enough for the both of them. Jared interrupts. He says, Raven has no friends and should be fired. <laughs> I think because of having no friends. Yeah. And I, I thought it was really interesting after, like, the Cassidy Riley stuff, too. Yeah, I love the idea that they're like, you have no friends. And Raven's like, I do have no friends. And Cassidy Riley's like, I'm fucking right here. <laughs> Kennedy Riley should have been on the stage with him when he said it. Yeah. 
And Raven still should have been like, yeah, I don't have any friends. Uh, Raven said the only when he's done with Jarrett, the only thing he'll be qualified for is an autopsy. Rhino tries to gore Raven. Raven dodges. Raven goes to deal with Jarrett, but then turns into a gore. Two-on-one attack. Jarrett locks Raven in the figure four as they stress that Raven does, in fact, have no friend. <laughs> Fuck you, Cassidy. Speaking of, in the classic match that is going to be interrupted, it's Cassidy Riley versus Mikey Bats on the July 29th Impact. I was watching this and I was like, oh, cool, Cassidy Riley's going to get, like, a win. <laughs> Whereas, if you see the first thing I wrote in the notes, oh, these guys are definitely getting jumped. <laughs> like, Riley is, like, full-on dressed like Raven now. He's gone into, like, Raven cosplay because he loves Raven. He's, but they're not friends. Yeah, Rhino shows up, gores bats, gores Riley, pile drives bats, absolutely fucking kills him. <laughs> you know, sometimes, like, because they call Rhino's pile driver the Rhino driver. And there's times where I'd be like, fuck you, it's a pile driver. But then he does it so good, it's like, you know what? You deserve to call it the Rhino driver. You get to name it something. Yeah, Raven comes out, makes the save. Raven mulls over the fact that this is a tag team situation and he is at a two-on-one disadvantage. Because he admits he, in fact, has no friends. And that's when CM Punk comes out. Look in your eyes. The funny thing is, it was meant to be Terry Funk. Oh, that would be fun. Uh, the original main event was meant to be Terry Funk and Raven, but this date coincided with Funk's wedding anniversary, so we turned down the booking. Like, I like the tag, but the idea of Raven and Terry Funk teaming would sit so much sicker. <laughs> you did get it in the Asylum days, if you remember, but it was like a four-minute match and it was nothing. Against... Yeah, I want more Funk. Yeah, against Julio and Punk. So who cares? <laughs> But Raven delivers the great line, sometimes when you have no friends, an enemy will do. Lights out, Sabu. And it's like, but why though? Why is Sabu helping? Because they gained respect for each other when they feuded last When he year. hung the, the dummy of his uncle. You're like, you know what? You were willing to go to extremes. When he murdered Sanjay Dutt, he was like, you know what, Raven? I can vibe with you. It is funny that they don't really explain it. They're just like, let's just go with it. And I'm kind of okay to just go with it, but they're just like, just go with it. AEW superstar Sabu here. Fucking still mad that they had Sabu. They had him as a surprise. And they didn't lights out. This company loves doing lights out more than any company in existence. Also, Tony's a fucking ECW dog. Yeah, it's Tony's favorite thing in the world to do Lights Out surprises. And you have Sabu, Mr. Lights Out surprise, and you don't do it. It's bullshit. Even if you're worried about, like, how long you'd have to leave the lights out because he's not the most mobile man these days, you could, like, sneak him down to ringside or something and then have him go from there. Yeah, you know, Sabu, not a not a noticeable fella. But he, he was wearing, like, a suit and stuff. You could have put, like, a mask on him and nobody would have known who he was. Still, I was still mad about that. Lights out. Put, could have put him on a trolley and trolleyed him down and then took the trolley away. <laughs> there is something magical about it actually being a lights out Sabu, though. It's just, it's just yeah, special. It's just right. Uh, Sabu runs wild, hits a moonsault on Rhino, as it will be Raven and Sabu versus Jared and Rhino at the pay-per-view. Why not? Sabu was telling people in the dressing room the reason he came in, claiming WWE was trying to get him as late as the night before his TNA debut, was because he said in the end Vince McMahon doesn't respect his style and what he's done, and he didn't want to work for him. He also noted all the work Scott Demore did by arranging the benefit show BCW did last year, when he was broken, uh, out injured because of the steroid shot infection thing that put him out. We talked about that uh, last year, when he, he disappeared mm-hmm. from TNA during the, the Raven feud that never got properly paid off. It's getting paid off right here. Yeah, as Raven's partner. <laughs> Raven's like, you can be my partner because I beat you technically because you ran away. <laughs> mm. August 5th Impact, we started with a, a recap. Also, Franchise had Cassidy Riley, and he's still smitten with Raven because Raven technically saved him again last week. 
Because <laughs> the whole thing is his franchise is like, he broke your fingers, he doesn't care about you. And Cassiar is like, franchise, did you not see last week? He came out and helped me. He watched Mikey Bats get pile-driven and he was fine. But when I was being pile-driven, he saved me. He's that's sad he's not teaming with Raven at the pay-per-view, but Sabu is a good pick too. And then he's like, I'm going to go wait in line. And Franchise is like, this show is still a week and a half away. What are you doing? It's like, no, i got to get there early. I've got to go wait in line. This is the most interesting Cassidy Riley has ever been. <laughs> Better than the early Hot Shots era. I also mean just in his real life. Mm, just taking on Raven's personality. Yeah. Main event of that episode, Raven and Sabu did a quick TV squash against Simon Diamond and David Young. <laughs> that is the natural reaction to David Young. Fucking hated that match so much. Why? Oh, as soon as I saw it, I, my eyes glazed over and my brain turned off and I was like, fuck you. You just don't want to see Simon Diamond and David Young? No, it was after an Apollo match. <laughs> Uh, today referred to Young as a diamond in the rough here, setting the, the, the name for their stable. It's a great name. Raven DDT followed by Sabu Arabian Face Buster for the win. Jarrett and Rhino attack as we end on a brawl. And then main event of the last impact of the month. A real cool little main event. Rhino versus Chris Sabin. I don't remember. They, like, Rhino was remarkably generous with Chris Sabin here. I need to go back and rewatch this because I really don't remember anything about it, but it sounds so cool. <laughs> yeah, because, like, Rhino gave him a ton, Sabin fired up. There's a story about how Rhino was telling people he was such a big a fan of Sabin that he wanted him to kick out of the gore. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this guy, this guy's got it. He should kick out of the gore. <laughs> this is Rhino's TNA debut. And he's like, what if this yeah. guy kicked out of the gore? <laughs> I... Well, like, doesn't isn't Rhino like tangentially related with Demore too? He's a Demore like guy, yeah, which is part of the yeah, reason so he, like, he went it, to TNA. You know, you know, he's he's doing it, it. It's his boy's boy, so he probably is like close to him at least in some manner. Mm. Uh, Rhino already is his longtime TNA theme here, by the way, the the, the famous Digimon theme. Shout out to the one guy who was like, I can kind of hear the baseline. That you got more support than I expected because there was like two or three who was like, they're not the same, but I can kind of hear it. There's like a vibe to it, and I'm not saying it's the whole song. There's just a specific part of the song that always triggers my brain with it. Mm. It did have a slower intro here though, because it usually got into the dirt, 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 pretty quick. Whereas it's like bum, Digimon, bum, 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 yeah. Then Rhino digivolves. <laughs> we we talked about this. He digivolves into. I think we decided on Wardlow. <laughs> Rhino Greymon. Uh, Skull Rhino Mon. Oh, that's sick. <laughs> <laughs> they cut the the shot of the tunnel of Chris Sabin's entrance slightly too early, and Sabin was just getting cued. You could see him getting cued to go out. It's like, oh, you silly gooses. <laughs> you silly gooses. Yeah. Don Castle on the pod. <laughs> interesting that rhino is still the man beast by the way he is not yet the war machine are you a man beast guy or a war machine guy as my deep loyalty to tna i am a war machine guy wow are you rhino with an i or rhino with a y guy <laughs> as my deep loyalty to tna i'm a rhino with an i guy <laughs> that's that's the wrong answer and you know that it is funny it, it, just, it almost sounded weird to hear him called like the, the man beast here in tna yeah so rhino's the coolest He's so jacked at this stage as well. Like, he's just... When when Rhino is on, he's so sick. <laughs> you should go back and watch this match then. This match is great. I'm going to. Because it, it, it's like a mini version of the Joe match in some ways, except with Rhino. Yeah. Uh, Tanae mentions that Rhino has gored JBL, Orbd, Edge, and Raven in recent months. <laughs> 
It's true. Yeah, but very back and forth match. Saban gets some near falls, but Rhino closes it with a spine buster and a gore. Raven shows up, brawls with Rhino. Jarrett comes out and distracts Raven long enough for Rhino hit the gore. Lights out. Sabu. Yay. Uh, Sabu goes for a top rope piranha through a table. Rhino counters into a powerbomb onto a table that didn't break because <laughs> tables never cooperate. Then Rhino powerbombs Sabu through the table as Jared applied a figure four to Raven to close the show. I read that the wrong way around. I was like, yeah, I remember when Sabu put Jared in the figure four to close the show. <laughs> the famous submission. I suppose he does the, the camel clutch. So Sabu does have a submission. Mm-hmm. They should do a submission match. Which does bring us to Sacrifice, in which they did announce that there's a stipulation added to the main event. They announced this on the pre-show. That if Raven pins Jarrett in the main event, then Jarrett can't get another title shot for a year. But if Jarrett pins Raven, he'll get the next title shot. But what would happen if any of the other people were involved? It's a good question. One that Larry Zabisco did not think through. Main event of the show, the tag team match of Rhino and Jeff Jarrett versus Raven and Sabu. Yeah. They'd already given up on the slow intro of the Rhino theme. They've already sped it up for the pay-per-view. <laughs> I don't think it's the first time he's had it. I think he's had it before, but I always appreciate when he does. Jared had his fireworks guitar. It's the best. Did he have it at double or nothing? Oh, I didn't pay enough attention to his entrance. That's the most unsatisfying answer you could have given me. <laughs> well, he comes out to the mashup theme and I immediately want to die. <laughs> You could play My World and you play this fake My World song instead and I get very upset at it. I did suggest that uh, they should put Jarrett in Anarchy in the Arena so they can spend the first five minutes brawling over My World. Awesome. Raven cuts Jarrett with a pizza cutter. Jarrett gets heavy color very quickly. He knows what he's what, what we're here to do. Yeah. Do you think this is like Jeff Jarrett bit like... <laughs> ECW jealousy. He's like, I gotta do it. Yeah, he's in there with Rhino, Raven, and Sabu. He's like, look, guys, I can bleed too. I can hang with the uh, ECW guys, guys. I'm extreme. I can do plunder brawls. Uh, it is funny. Like, this match isn't no DQ or anything, but they just kind of wrestle it as, as if it is. Because <laughs> there is chairs fucked into so many heads during this match. <laughs> There's so many chairs thrown into so many heads. It happens like 15 times. I like times. how that's like an accepted form of a headshot now. Uh, there's one Jericho takes on the paper. Sorry to do mild double or nothing spoilers on you. <gasps> but it hits him in, like, mostly in the shoulder. And I'm always like, that's that's not a proper Sabu moment. <laughs> a certified Sabu moment. Yeah. I need someone to hit right in the face with it to be a proper... And, and it's the best when you don't see it coming. There's just, like, a chair comes flying out of nowhere and hits somebody in the face. And you're like, yeah! <laughs> you know, uh, an actual certified Sabu moment guy is Nick Jackson. He loves himself some Sabu. He loves to do the chair throw. The, the best chair throw since Sabu, probably. Well, when you think about it, both of them were in TNA in 2010, and that's where he learned it. Mm. Like, Nick snipes people with them. It's crazy. <laughs> His accuracy. 360 no-scope chair shot. Yeah, he sh- maybe he did that in Anagi in the arena. He might have. I was talking about how like it, it, it was destiny that we'd start this the second that match started, and it was more or less the case. Yeah. He got like five minutes of it. It's fine. Uh, Sabu was going for his triple jump moonsault, but Rhino just grabbed his leg and he fell face first on a chair, which made me laugh. Certified Sabu moment. Raven hits the Raven effect, but Jared pulls the referee out. Jared goes for a guitar shot, but Cassidy Riley runs in and steals the guitar. He has another friend. <laughs> Jared hits the stroke, Raven kicks out, Abyss shows up, press slams Sabu through a table. By the way, Cassidy went through a table, I didn't include that in the notes. <laughs> it was implied. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Hardy makes his big return, fucking brains Abyss with a chair. 
Yep. Hits a twist, twist of fate, hits a swanton on Jarrett, but Rhino breaks up the pin. Rhino gores Raven through a table in the corner for the win, which then left the announcers with the question, well, we knew Jarrett got a title shot if he won, but Rhino won. So what happens now? And then Jarrett was a little mad that he didn't get the pin. I actually like that finish. Yeah, and it, it plays... All, I, I kind of like the idea of Jarrett and Rhino not being associated very long. No, well, like, they they came in, like, with the, with an idea, but they're both clearly guys who were going to gun for the title themselves. Mm, so he, he... And he didn't, like, steal the win. It wasn't the case that, like, he screwed... No, he just won. Yeah, he, he didn't screw Jarrett, because Raven was going to DDT Jarrett through the table, and then Rhino gored him. That was the finish. So, like, he saved Jarrett technically, but he just won the match, because he's better than you, Jeff. Yeah, and you know it. And, of course, the other big story, Jeff Hardy is back from his... Hard justice suspension. He, he served hard justice. <laughs> now he's back. He's about to make the same hack joke. <laughs> I'm the only hack around here. Uh, good main event. Uh, stilly plunder. Chairs flying everywhere. Big moves. Table bumps. Cassidy Riley. Jeff Hardy coming out to burn. Like Jeff Hardy. I think almost this is like the perfect way to deploy Jeff Hardy, as opposed to him like having deploy matches. Him. <laughs> yeah, when you have Jeff Hardy, you're like releasing him. You could be like. Uh, we could put him in a wrestling match or we can have him run out get the pop hit his three moves and leave yeah perfect he doesn't have to actually do any of the wrestling he can climb a big red cage <laughs> and that's all that matters oh he brained homicide that night too perfect he loves killing people with chairs and the perfect return <laughs> jeff another certified sabu uh jeff hardy shannon moore and chris canyon were backstage at the july 19th impact taping management did not expect jeff to be there so they did not have a plan to integrate jeff and danny storylines during the impact taping that's hilarious <laughs> it's like the opposite of a no-show yeah he's and then they were like all right you want to interfere in the main event <laughs> Uh, Jeff's unexpected visit to Orlando may be attributed to Jeff trying to restore faith in his ability to show up on time and ready for work as a member of the TNA roster. He showed roster. up so, so much on time that he was before he was even meant to be there. Yeah, he's just like, oh, look, guys, I'm here. And they're like, that's not how it works, man. <laughs> that actually gives us, like, the opposite of faith in you. What are you doing? <laughs> like, you're... Oh, God. Willow the Wisp. <laughs> Uh, Jeff Hardy, this was he was uh, this is from like an interview he gave. Will return under a mask as Willow the Wisp, but not wrestle on the show. The storyline is that Willow admits that Jeff has messed up. <laughs> Willow, and he's the good side of Hardy with a Mick Foley mankind kind of thing. Can you do the Willow voice? I'm a Willow. <laughs> Willow. Willow. It's so much fun to say Willow. <laughs> oh God, we won't have to actually suffer Willow until like 2013. But yep. He always wanted to do this fucking bit. Yeah, and I think he was sad he couldn't. Imagine being a star the level of Jeff Hardy and still being told no. Yeah, the Jeff Hardy angle as Will of the Wisp won't be happening. Hardy suggested the idea and at first was under the impression it had been agreed to. But the booking committee is like, if we're going to bring you back as Jeff Hardy, because we want Jeff Hardy on TV, we want fucking Jeff Hardy. We don't want Willow. <laughs> No one wants Willow. Because, like, that that's the main reason they're bringing Jeff back, because obviously they're on Spike in a couple months, and Jeff does have name value, so they want Jeff around. Jeff, Rhino, Raven is a good, like, top three. Then with your own guys, too. Yeah, as, like, the mix of guys who have name value but can also work when in good condition. That could be said about all three of them, to be fair. I think Rhino's fine. Maybe the other two. <laughs> 
so yeah, Jeff will be. Have you ever tried to book a TEW TNA game in like 06? It's impossible. It's very true to life. I almost admire because I got very frustrated because I, like it's the same. It's like Raven is like pissy and also like drugs, and then Jeff Hardy's also the same. And then you're like, well, anybody ever like show up to work? And then you read all this stuff where it's like, oh wait, nobody did show up to work. So you know what? It's accurate. It is very true to form. The only other major, and major is probably generous, but the only other real heavyweight program is Abyss versus Lance Hoyt. Lance Hoyt defeated David Young. Your favorite wrestler, David Young. Yep. That's the July 22nd impact. Uh, Abyss immediately jumps Hoyt. Young tries to stand up to Abyss and gets dropped with a shock treatment. Hoyt eats a black hole slam as Abyss gets his heat back from the pay-per-view. And Mitchell calls Abyss a weapon of mass destruction and he holds the detonator. I did appreciate that I hate when they do angles like this where it's like, all right, fair enough, Abyss shows up and interrupts the first match after he loses a pay-per-view main event to get his heat back. I hate when the two guys are just guys who get killed for the sake of getting killed. Mm-hmm. Like, this built to something. Yeah, I really did appreciate that, you know, he killed Hoyt, but then he spun off into a pay-per-view program with Hoyt. So, thumbs up for that. Because, like, nothing makes you seem like a bigger goober than when somebody comes out, interrupts your match, and then you're not the point of that. It's like, get out. You're not a star. You're not important. Uh, Mitchell did a promo on the July 29th impact. He was in, he was backstage in like a boiler room lit red. And he, very sexy. He and Abyss just look so perfect together in that shot. Yeah, they're like a perfect pairing. It's just that, again, it's the TNA thing where I appreciate like they found a setting that kind of matched Abyss and Mitchell and lit it for, like properly. And then it's just those two in that setting. And it's like, oh, that's just, it's, they're just right together. They're just two people who are right together. Yeah. Mitchell was talking about how the TNA officials are mad at Abyss beating people up last week, which is pretty understandable. Yeah, like, there should be some sort of repercussions, I guess. Though also, if I was like, Abyss or a David Young match, I'd take Abyss. So you know what? Better TV show. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, If you're like the bookers, you're like, well, you know what? Mitchell doesn't plan to wait in line for another title shot. Everybody in Abyss's way is prey, and Lance Hoyt was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. But, um... (laughs) David Young was in the wrong place at the right time. He's always in the wrong place at the right time. The ring. It's the meanest thing I've ever said to David Young. (laughs) You used to defend poor David Young. I don't mind David Young. I just, like, who can possibly get excited for David Young? He's a company original. Ooh. He's been around since day one. Whether or not he should be is a different question, but he's been around since day one. Or Estrada should be here instead. Or Jimmy Yang. Or AJ (laughs) Styles. August 5th, Impact, Abyss defeated Apollo. Alright, next match. I do feel like these two would probably have a killer match in Puerto Rico. Just like plunder it up? Yeah, where Apollo's actually over and they both just bleed and do plunder. What if at Backlash they ran Abyss versus Apollo? I would have popped through the ceiling. You would have flown to Puerto Rico. Yeah, I did actually look. They did a couple of matches uh, in 2003, I think. Uh, I didn't even look to see where they did they ever make tape. So I, I, I don't have firm commitment to my Abyss and Apollo would have a good match in Puerto Rico take. But they did have a couple. If someone has the footage, send it to us. <laughs> Uh, the crowd are in firm, oh, oh, Abyss territory here. It's good stuff. Abyss tried to use a chair, but Apollo sidekicked it into his head twice, but then Abyss just won with the black hole slam. <laughs> they still, like, this wasn't a complete squash. They gave Apollo something, because th- sometimes they do just, like, completely squash the Aki, and they're, they're still not quite in the Abyss will just kill Apollo state, but they're pretty close. They should be. Hoyt came out, clotheslined Abyss over the ropes as Mitchell encouraged Abyss to back down. Hoyt said they messed with the wrong man and then encouraged the crowd to chant Hoyt, which they did. Hoyt, 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 Hoyt. 
And then last it backed up the pay-per-view cycle, franchise has Hoyt, sacrifice is going to be his opportunity, but then Abyss jumps him with a chair, and Abyss says, now Hoyt has made it personal, and it's going to be the worst mistake of his life. Abyss says that? That's crazy. Uh, How articulate. <laughs> well, James Mitchell said it, but... <laughs> Uh, as opposed to me, who is not very articulate. Um, again, another little touch in that, like, they didn't give a shit about Hoyt. He's just like, oh, but you made, you brought this back to us, so now you will suffer. And yeah. How dare you? How dare you defend yourself? <laughs> yeah, you could have just slunk off into the distance, but now you're going to get your ass kicked multiple times. Uh, sacrifice August 14, Abyss defeated Lance Hoyt. The match that kind of kicked ass. Yeah, kind of kicked ass. Because it's a period where both are super over. You have the Hoytomaniacs versus the Whoa, Whoa, Whoa Abyssers. Although the Whoa Abyss has beaten the Hoytomaniac. Yeah, <laughs> the spirit of the Whoa, Whoa, Whoa Abyss is too powerful. Well, if Hoyt had a singy song thing, he might have a chance. Well, they do chant Hoyt. Hoyt, Hoyt. I was going to ask you to come up with your own Hoyt song. Would you just stole the Whoa, Whoa, Whoa Abyss? Uh, um, <laughs> Hoyt, Hoyt, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that wouldn't have been too bad there you go uh, hoyt hits a choke slam and a moonsault but abyss kicks out abyss hits a black hole slam but hoyt kicks out which i think is a big compliment to hoyt they're, they're trying to make him here by letting him kick out of a black hole slam and maybe he shouldn't but you know what if he's gonna lose and he lost the bobby Roode as well if you're gonna try and make him in defeat he's fucking up this hoyt thing yeah and like he'll lose through the rest of the year and then the momentum is gone and then you're like well you know what there was something there but how much was there we'll never know but there was something there uh hoyt boots a chair into abyss for another near fall then hoyt hits the highlight of the match which is a springboard coast to coast drop kick into a chair Base. impact zone goes absolutely apeshit for abyss kicks out hits a black uh, hits a second black hole slam for the win at the very least, if the, the the idea of the match was to make Hoyt and defeat, or at least elevate Hoyt and defeat, I think they achieved it. So you said the impact zone, and in my head I was like, it's not the honor zone. It's the most upsetting thing you've ever said to me. My brain has been poisoned. Your fucking 19-match Ring of Honor has wormed its way. There's probably already been more Ring of Honor matches in the honor zone, given how many matches <laughs> are on every episode of the television show. So... Yeah, uh, Jackson knew none of them were in the honor zone. All 19 matches were like pre-Dynamite tapings? I think so, yeah. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> Why is that show like that? Why? <laughs> I hope that's not true and I'm just making stuff up. It's mm, better. Yeah, Abyss wins, uh, beats Hoyt. Underrated match, one of those matches nobody remembers, but kind of rock. That brings us over to the tag division. Let's start with the diamonds in the rough. Yep, please go on. <laughs> July 22nd impact after David Young gets his ass kicked by Abyss. Simon Diamond walks up. He's like, he says he has a problem. <laughs> that is his famous catchphrase. And he's just like, you're a useless piece of shit. <laughs> But you know what? You could not be a useless piece of shit if you follow this useless piece of shit's advice. It's like, I also job all the time. But what if we're together? What I'm saying here is times are pretty rough. Mm. <laughs> but we're a couple of diamonds ready to shine. So he offers him his leadership and it's like, I can overcome the office politics. And it's like, I don't think office politics are getting in David Young's way. <laughs> I, no, he's like, I can overcome the office politics by becoming the office. That's very smart. He is a road agent. There you go. I can put your matches together and make sure you shine. That should be, that's even better. If he's like, Yo, I'll book you real strong. I can veto all your opponent's cool spots. <laughs> that would be a great story. It's like, yeah, you know, you can't, you, you can't do that. It's just, it's just, it's just like, people won't be able to follow you. You should do a side headlock while David Young does a springboard moonsault. 
haven't we yours? Uh, Young accepts because he's like, I have fucking nothing to lose. <laughs> Which I actually do kind of love that he's like, this guy's full of shit and a big dumb idiot, but like, what? Like, what's the alternative? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm not doing anything by myself, so I might as well. You can't go down. Probably not going to go up, but we can't go down. <laughs> Yeah. Diamond and Young had that match against Raven and Sabu. That's their first match as a duo. They lose. <laughs> but they do, for reasons passing comprehension on the August 12th impact, beat AMW. I don't get... Why does... Why does... Simon Diamond just get to beat AMW all the time? He has their number. Like, it's part of a story that we'll talk about in a second in the tag division, the, the eight-man tag, the Team Canada Naturals AMW stuff, where Storm goes for a super kick when Canadian Young hooked his leg with a hockey stick, allowing American Young to hit a spine buster and win, and Team Canada attack Naturals save. I was writing those notes, and I was like, wait a minute, there's two Youngs here. I, do, I have to clarify. It's like, there's no world in which Simon Diamond and David Young should be beating America's Most Wanted. Like, there is no value in those to beating AMW. What are you doing? Uh, Skipper had a match at some stage. Oh, Monty squashed him. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Which is a rematch of their big 2002 NWATNA Detroit Street Fight. Do you remember that? I'm trying not to. You don't remember Monty's 2002 run? I'm trying not to. <laughs> Skipper was real stupid. He turned around to do his what time was his catchphrase and Monty just jumped him. <laughs> it's like, what's wrong with you? Uh, finish was awesome though. Skipper went for a springboard moonsault. Monty looked at him, saw he was going for the moonsault, hit the ropes, pounced him the second he landed. It was cool. I also appreciate how like every like step of that move made sense. Where it's like Skipper was going to, to springboard moonsault to come behind Monty so that he could pay, uh, do a move. And Monty didn't hit the ropes until he saw Skipper was doing the moonsault which is a thing is a pet peeve of mine and i think was it mellow and braun did some bullshit on nxt where i think he like speared him out of midair or something but he hit the ropes before he even saw he was moving and i'm like no it's stupid that makes no sense whereas monty turned his head saw skipper was going for the moonsault and then hit the ropes to go pounce him it's like oh that makes sense monty's a better wrestler <laughs> True. Monty is better than anything on NXT 2.0. I will stand over that take. Ever. So yeah, Skipper hasn't been having himself a great month either, which brings us to the pay-per-view in which the Diamonds in the Rough form fully. It's Skipper, Diamond and Young versus Saban, Sharkboy, and Sanjay. Give me all of your takes about this match, Liam. <laughs> it existed. And they lost. <laughs> they lost again. They did, which makes them beating the AMW. That had Shark Boy on it. <laughs> they lost to some like yeah. They could just pin Shark Boy here. They could. There's nothing wrong with them just pinning Shark Boy. But no, they that the fucking like beat AMW and then lose on the pay per view. And they should have just lost both matches if we're honest. But them beating AMW and then following it up with a loss were the, against a team that they could have just beaten. Yeah. Stupid. Uh, Sanjay has nice black and white tights, I thought. Yes, he's um slowly becoming the Sanjay we know. Mm, I will miss bin-bagged pants Sanjay, but he's probably better off for it. Like everyone. Uh, Sabin grabs Skipper with a quick pin for the win. It's a nice little pay-per-view opener. And they pin Skipper! <laughs> the guy in the group with the most upside. It's just ridiculous. It's Skipper has fallen so far so fast. Yeah. Because I feel like there was... At least some interest in him with like the Daniels stuff building to lockdown. And then he's just lost match after match and done absolutely nothing of substance since lockdown. And like, I don't know. I think he was kind of exposed a lot as a singles guy. I don't think he was ever kind of good enough to be like a true carry the X Division singles guy. As opposed to in a tag where you could cover some of his limitations. He could just do his cool stuff. But like there is, again, how much is there? I don't know. But there is something there. 
The thing that bothers me is it's just he's never really shown to put it together in the big spot. Because, mm. yeah, if he came out of that lockdown match and he had, like, a real barn burner with Daniels, he'd be like, all right, we'll, we'll keep doing something with Skipper. And he came out of that lockdown match, and that lockdown match isn't terrible, but it's just like, it's okay. It's pretty good. And just, like, it's surrounded by all the other stuff Daniels has done, which is, like, way better. Mm. So the other main feud in the tag team division is AMW and The Naturals uniting to face Team Canada. August 5th Impact, we had a Naturals versus Team Canada World Tag Team title match. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not as good as, like, the other one. The pay-per-view match? Yeah. Yeah, I like, because I, it's the rude and young team, which I always appreciate. I think they have just the best chemistry of the Team Canada guys as a tag team. Yeah. But there there wasn't a ton going on in the match itself. Uh, obviously ends in DQ, which doesn't help. No. Wait a minute. What? Oh, sorry, I got it the other way around. Team Canada won by DQ. Okay, okay. <laughs> you were like, wait a minute, what the hell? I was, because like, if the Naturals won by DQ, it should have been a title change, because that's the way this company works. You were going to get so mad then. I was, but it is my own error. But uh, Douglas bonked Rude and Young's heads, but then, but Rude, I don't know what I'm saying. Did I have a stroke during this match? <laughs> uh, can I read it like word for word just to help? Sure. <laughs> Douglas bonked Rude and Young's heads, but Rude butt him off again with a drop toehold. Yep. Douglas just kind of fell backwards out of a press slam into the hot tag. Petey showed up and distracted Chase, allowing Young to hit an elbow drop for the near fall. Rude got lie, cheat, and stolen with a megaphone for the Naturals DQ. Team Canada attack after the match, but AMW make the save. AMW pick up the tag titles and tensely hand them to the Naturals and linger on holding them. Wait, so if Rude is the one that got lie, cheat, and stolen... That means it should have been a title change. I was right. Yeah, because the Naturals got DQ'd. But the, the Naturals threw the... No, no. Like, like, Rude hit them with the Naturals um, megaphone. So Team Canada were DQ'd. Oh, the Naturals are champions here. <laughs> yes. God. This, this match has broken me. You're the one that's supposed to be exhausted. What's going on? <laughs> Sorry, Douglas Bong Rude and Young's heads, but Rude butt him off again with a drop toe hold. <laughs> Something about this match, apparently, like, in two separate instances of my life has caused my brain to melt. There's just nothing left. It's just goop. Yeah. AMW pick up the tag titles, tensely handle the naturals. They linger on holding them. I already said that. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to move on. <laughs> Uh, time and Young defeat AMW uh, on the Go Home Show. That and Canada attack Natural Save after that match. There is a backstage promo franchise where they talk about how they have a mutual enemy and they're going to team against the Canadians at Sacrifice. They do a similar promo on the pay per view where they're like, "Listen, we're here tonight teaming, but it'll be tag titles after that." And then Jarrett walks in, by the way, and he's like, "He's like, yeah, we'll play it, Jarrett." <laughs> He's recruiting everybody. He says it to the Naturals, and there's also an AMW interview where he says it to AMW. AMW would never do that. They would never turn their backs. They are wholesome baby faces. Jarrett's like, you saw that Austin Aries guy? No one's ever heard of him, but TNA management has. Those sickos. <laughs> They're watching their Ring of Honor tapes. Don West has been showing too much ROH tapes in the <laughs> locker room. Getting Austin Aries booked. Uh, and then he pitches AMW not to trust anybody, and Storm is like, this guy! Whereas Harris is like, hmm. Hmm. I also like that he's like, he's like, Naturals, you two are stupid as shit. Want to join? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, no? <laughs> Even Jimmy Hart's like, you're right. A lot of times guys do get fired, but we're not, we're not, we're not going to help you. Are the tag chance, baby. And the, the thing specifically that caused Harris to at least consider what Jarrett had to say was Jarrett said they're talking to some big name tag teams too. 
I don't know any big name tag teams that have recently been fired that could come in. There is absolutely none. Uh, franchise also had Team Canada. They feel lost without Scott. Then PD has a hockey stick as Scott. will be back soon. He, he like... <laughs> it's such a stupid idea. It's like, guys, I know it's tough, but look at this. And he pulls a towel off to reveal a hockey stick. And they're like, oh god, we're all reassured. We have a hockey stick. <laughs> We've all, we've all seen Petey's wood and now we're ready. Uh, they're on the same page, but now MW and the Naturals aren't. And they sang... <laughs> I can't that made you go, <laughs> They sang Team Canada, which Shane Douglas hurt his ears. They sang Team Canada. Oh, Canada. This pro- Team Canada. Our we are all stable team. in TNA. <laughs> which brought us to the match. <laughs> team Canada defeated the Naturals named W and Eight Man Tag in a match I wanted so much to pay no attention to, but they kind of went wild in. Yeah, we, we were trying to do a thing, and then like every time they were like, "Oh, they're doing stuff." Damn it! <laughs> yeah, because there's a spot where Young is standing on the ropes on the middle rope outside of the ring. Elis or <laughs> Chase Stevens hits a springboard enziguri, <laughs> causing Young to flop face first to the floor, and he takes like that bump from the middle rope straight to the floor in this stupid middle of the card eight man tag team match. And I'm like, Eric, what on earth are you doing? Yeah. Uh, that dude's crazy. He gets no credit for how good he is. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to getting to his, like, world title shtick eventually. It's just one of those things where, like, he had the WWE run where he didn't even get, like, a fraction of an opportunity to show what he could do. The NXT stuff was pretty good, but he was mostly managing, wasn't he? Yeah, and, like, just doing multi-bands with Sanity. Yeah. And then, like, he came back to Impact and he had some, like, kick-ass matches. There's, like, it's, again, it's a pandemic year match, so it's going to be hard to go back to. But, like, the, the Victory Road 2020 match against Eddie Edwards is awesome. Those two have yeah, a great Yeah, that was, like, match. one of those. Impact will, like, occasionally, like, a couple times a year have a match that people, like, are forced to be like, oh, okay, it was good. <laughs> Begrudgingly admitting. Yeah. Uh, there's a powerbomb German suplex Tower of Doom with Chase Stevens taking like the German suplex part at the top and I thought he was going to die and thankfully he didn't. Uh, Storm hip tossed Petey to the floor but Rude whipped Chase into Storm on the apron and then rolled up Chase for the pin. Because there was uh, unintended contact between Chase and Storm, AMW and the Naturals were then mad at each other before security separated them. AMW, no. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this match overachieved, I think. I I, I wanted to zone out of this match so much and they kept doing wild shit. So fair play to them for having a, I think it was like three and a quarter, but I expected it to be like complete throwaway nothing. And we end the show as I think we end all shows now, Liam. In perpetuity, until the end of time, we will be forever talking about the Three Live Crews family drama. I have um, given this one the poop brown color in the broad topics. Thank you. It's going to be our closing topic for quite a while. In fact, I'm going to make it tradition now that yeah. for as long as this is an angle, this is how we will close our show. Great. Which means we'll be talking about it until I believe roughly June 2006. <laughs> technically july <laughs> kip james and monty brown defeated sunny siaki and apollo on the july 22nd yeah. impact <laughs> yeah. uh, apollo will be involved in a surprising amount of it today abandoned not a surprising amount but he will pop up <laughs> um, that's a any amount of apollo is surprising <laughs> Today I mentioned that Kip was fined for his referee attacks at the pay-per-view, which is a little touch that I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, BG James watching up on the ra- ramp. Monty pushed over Slick Johnson and then pounced Siaki. 
into Slick. He's like, fuck you, I'm going to pounce you into the referee. Uh, Rudy then just showed up and counted the pin. Truth and Conan attack after the match. Tanae demands a rematch between those two teams. He has no authority. But he wants he wants to see it. It's the match we've all been waiting to see again. Kip James and Monty against Truth and Conan for the second pay-per-view in a row. Tanae's meant to be like the voice of the fans. <laughs> he should be like, no, 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 don't do it. He should be like, thank God it's over. We will never see that match ever again. Uh, we go backstage after the match where the referees are shouting at Larry Zabisco over this trio K family drama nonsense. Unionize. They're constantly running through the refs. They're attacking referees. They're pouncing referees. Well, pouncing people into referees. Uh, and then a rematch is set for sacrifice, but the referees refuse to do the match. Understandably. Yeah, they don't want to fucking deal with this. Even they're sick of this shit. <laughs> the referees represent us. They're revolting against the three live crew. I find the three live crew revolting, so. <laughs> July 29th Impact, Larry Z has BG. He's like, all this, these referees are bugging me. And if you're the instigating factor here, you're just going to be special referee. He shoves the referee shirt in his hands as BG's like, what the hell, man? BG's like, I just went show up again. Fuck you. <laughs> Which, a good Larry line about that. It's like, and if you don't want to do it, keep the shirt for your new job at Foot Locker. That's where he should be. I like Larry Z. Oh, he's great. He's like flabbergasted and aghast at everybody. And he's just like, he has the I'm done with this shit mentality at all times. He's like doing the bare minimum as a boss. Mm. And I appreciate that. And every time somebody like shows up to annoy him about this, he's like, would you fucking go away? (laughs) I have to deal with Jeff Jarrett. (laughs) And you have the goal to come up to me with your referee problems. (laughs) August 5th Impact, Monty is with Larry. He's mad about BG being the referee after how much he has kicked BG's ass, which is a good bit. It's like, have you seen the number of times I beat the shit out of this guy? He cannot be impartial. Which is fair, too. If Larry puts BG in the match, then the Serengeti is going to become a much more dangerous environment as Larry is exasperated. She's like, oh. It is his default setting, exasperation. They should do like Tony Soprano-esque segments where Larry is just that therapy. <laughs> Who's his therapist? Have there been any wrestling therapists? Dr. Stevie. Oh, oh, you, you can't bring up my favorite gimmick in TNA history and not expect me to be like, yes. You could page Dr. Stevie. Paging Dr. Stevie. Paging Dr. Stevie. Go home impact. We had Ron Killings and Conan defeat Jarrell Clark and Mikey Bats. Sure. There's a moment where Joel Clark does a standing moonsault to Truth, who just kind of stands there, and Clark just kind of bounces off of him. That'd be known that you said, go home show. This is the go home angle for this big story. That's been going on for 17 years. Uh, Conan hits a brain buster and a powerbomb for the win because he's working with small guys. So he's like, let me break out some work rate, Conan. Fuck yeah, work rate, Conan. Oh, it's actually because it's been 24 hours. Has Conan responded yeah, to I our DM? Yeah, I was literally saying, did Conan respond? Boo, Conan didn't respond to our DM. <laughs> I'm going to send him a voice message. <laughs> Do not send a voice message to Conan. Sub up, K-Dog? Um, just wanting to follow up on the previous <laughs> question about the gear. Because um, like we were watching this uh, Conan, and that's you, and Ron Killings <laughs> tag against Jarrell Clark and Mikey Bats. And brother, you were you were just going hard, you know, brainbuster powerbomb, and we're just wondering if that has something to do with the gear choice. All right, thank you. So we probably won't be able to update you until the next episode where not Conan responded to Liam's voice message. <laughs> My favorite part of that is Conan around killings. That's you. Uh- <laughs> you made a fatal mistake there, though. What? You should have started with, "Hey Conan, I listen to your podcast." Oh, okay, I'll follow it up. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> 
Hey, Conan, do you listen to my voice message? <laughs> BG cheers from the ramp. Conan grabs a mic and says, BG is a day late and a dollar short. I like the, the entire tenor of this is that Truth is playing like Peacemaker. He's like, yeah, you know, we can still get along. And Conan's like, fuck this guy. I hate BG James. Conan rules. <laughs> He's by far the best part of this entire thing. Mm. Conan says BG has to choose between Kip and the three live crew. And even though BG does the three LK hand signs, he is skeptical. And the blow off to the feud. At Sacrifice, Franchise has BG. He wants to know where BG's head is at. BG feels like the sacrificial lamb at Sacrifice. It's wordplay. Mm, I get it because uh, lamb. Sure. BG has his ta- fists taped because he doesn't know who his friends are. Ron comes up and he's like, hey, guy, we, you know, we've been pals for two years now. This should go great. And then Conan comes up and he's like, you're so full of shit. How could you let Kip James do this to us? And then pay-per-view match. Ron Killings and Conan defeat Monty Brown and Kip James with BG James as the special referee. Three Life Crew are back! So yeah, Conan tries to use a chair, but BG pulls it out of his hands. Then Kip tries to use a chair, but BG takes it again. Kip pushes BG, so BG unloads with punches. Kip turns into a chair shot from Conan for the win. And then the Three Life Crew do a big hug as Ron does a giant splits to celebrate that the Three Life Crew are back together. That's how I celebrate every good thing that's ever happened to me. When Conan responds to that message, I'm going to hit a giant split. <laughs> and then send him. <laughs> yep. This is how I celebrated. Uh, so yeah, three life crew are back together. Cool. Oh, they did air a Bound for Glory spot on this show, by the way, that had Barry Scott in live action for the first time. I was like, who's this fella? <laughs> yeah, he's like, that's the famous TNA voice guy. And I was like, oh my god, I know his voice, but not his face. Look at him, he's a real man. He's a real guy. Good promo. Um, That is it. That is... August 2005. Thank God. We all have more. One of the best months in DNA history turned to absolute drivel <laughs> by everything else. It's all that one Team Canada versus the Nashville's match. It's fault. And kind of not respond. We do have at least one podcast a year that just derails into like a, a cursed podcast. And this is it. Congratulations, Sacrifice. Which means we're safe for another year. Yeah, all the other ones should be good and fine. <laughs> We'll be back Hi. on Patreon at tnhr.com, patreon.com slash kidding me in the next week or so with the next episode of PWG, the last episode of this run of PWG. We're covering Mystery Vortex in 2012. We have some rain takers to probably catch up on. We'll catch up on that in the next couple of weeks. Again, I was dying. I'm sorry. Liam is recovering from his death, uh, which is quite a miracle. Well done. I'm pretty good at it. We'll be back in two weeks with the unbreakable 2005 I'm pretty sure nothing big happens in that show. Nothing ever famous has come out of Unbreakable. Yeah, I mean, they would have kept the title of the pay-per-view. Yep, we'll be back in two weeks with that. You can go to tnhr.com, patreon.com, slash getting me to support the show. Listen to the watch-along for Sacrifice 2005. Look at the show notes, look at the ad-free episodes, and all the other stuff we have there for you. Over 100 pieces of exclusive audio there, tnhr.com. Great value for money, and reward Liam for squeezing it in, and he has to go get his back adjusted. He has to get a shock treatment. In seven minutes. So perfectly timed you can follow us on twitter at tna history pod you can follow me on twitter at garrett kidney you can follow liam on twitter at the gleet muda subscribe to us on youtube at you got to be kidding me we have a 2002 video that's nearly 12 hours go just click play on that to give us watch time we need money (laughs) thanks you can also subscribe to us on tiktok at tna history thanks for listening and bye bye you know what in the honor of um the three okay coming back together do the damn thing Nerd kidney. You have not cut out again, have you? Oh, God damn it! <laughs> Hello there, my name's Neil David, and I'm the host of Euro Graps Express, the podcast exclusively dedicated to the wrestling of Europe. 
If it's wrestling and it happens in Europe and it's good, we talk about it. Whether it's RevPro, Progress, WXW, Passion Pro, Pro Wrestling Chaos, Pro Wrestling North. We don't care. We talk about them all. If it's good and it's exciting, I want to share it with you. We're on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Check us out on the feed. Check us out on Twitter at EuroGrapCXP. And join us for chat about European wrestling and a little bit of chat about cheese. Hopefully see you there. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.